This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig alongside, as always, a man who has achieved godlike status, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? I'm ready for you. I think you've been throwing these uh, topics at me for the show opening without warning me first. So I can't do any research. I can't prepare. And I know what your plan is. You want to make me look like a jerk. Okay. But I'm ready this week because I have a feeling I know where you're going. Yeah, I, I, I put it up on Twitter there a little bit, so you, you, you probably have it. And, and that is going to be something we are going to talk about here in a sec. But I did want to bring up one thing that, that, that I noticed from this week's uh, from World Wrestling Entertainment, Joe, uh, WWE, you've probably heard of them before. Uh, they have a, a, a top star, uh, Seth Rollins. Have you heard of Seth Rollins, Mr. Uh, Burn It Down? Burn It Down! So he has turned heel, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Did you see the story that he 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 legit at a house show over the weekend broke his finger? It was his pinky finger, to be fair. <laughs> so there's there's some different layers to this that I want to get into a little bit. But but he broke his pinky finger, and they said that he couldn't wrestle on Raw. Okay. Okay. I'm but they came. You. So they came out with this after Raw. So they came out with this like Tuesday afternoon or something that said that Seth Rollins has suffered a, a broken finger or whatever, and that's why he was unable to compete on Raw or whatever. And we always talk about how we, we don't want to feel like the Jim Cornettes of the world, and we don't want to feel like we're just completely lost with the wrestling world anymore. But you have a man that you are turning heel who legit broke his pinky, and he doesn't come out and say, I would wrestle, but I have a broken pinky. I, I, I am flabbergasted. This 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 industry, I don't understand this industry anymore. When you have a guy you're about to turn heel or you're in the midst of turning heel that legit broke his pinky and you don't have him come out there in a cast and say, I'd love to wrestle, but I got a broken pinky. I can't go out there. I can't wrestle. Am I lost? Is this like bizarre world? What are we doing? Yeah, you, they were kind of gift wrapped that one. <laughs> My God, are you kidding? Like, especially this dude, who his entire heel turn is you guys don't respect me, you don't care about me, I bust my ass for you and you don't care. The best thing ever would be I bust my ass day and night and you guys didn't get, you know, give a shit. And guess what? I got a broken pinky finger, so I'm not wrestling for you assholes tonight or whatever. Throws the mic down and you're good. Like, what are we doing? Why? What has happened with wrestling, Joe? Why? He could wear the little splint right. on the finger. <laughs> right. right. And and it's like and such a nothing injury too that like you can no. you can wrestle with a broken pinky like I, I I've, I've broken my pinky toe numerous times and I just play basketball anyway I don't stop and nothing it, your broken pinky doesn't stop you from doing anything I've broken my yeah my hand before and it's just like whatever who cares like you just move on the idea oh my god I just I gift wrapped for the heel turn are you kidding yeah that's ripe for heel heat oh man it's just what business what business is this Joe or that that well, sort of stuff doesn't get used anymore it's 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 unbelievable. It is the safe company, and they don't want a competitor out there with uh, with a debilitating injury such as a broken pinky putting himself at risk. 
So can we really kill them for thinking of wrestler safety first? Uh, absolutely not. No, they're indeed the safest of the safe companies. But uh, yeah, I just found out uh, from the, the, the both ends of that, too, were also like WWE legit because of a broken pink. He said, no, sir, you cannot wrestle. Like, dude, No, sir, you're off. Like the idea that that company told him, A, don't wrestle. And then B, when they realized that he actually did have that problem, didn't say, oh, shit, here we go, man. Like, get out there, cut this promo, have the splint, you know, th- but whatever. It's it's. <laughs> didn't didn't he just work? A ten-day, nine-show tour of Europe, <laughs> flying, flying directly from Saudi Arabia, and then flying directly from that tour to a TV. Uh, I believe so. Yes. If that isn't a hundred percent accurate, it's close to accurate, right? Like that happened to some of the crew. Yeah, yeah. Some of the crew went from Saudi Arabia to Buffalo. Um, oh, well, <laughs> maybe not actually. Never mind. Sorry, they didn't. They didn't get to go to Buffalo. Never mind. Uh, but some of them got delayed in uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and, and didn't go to Buffalo. But then, yeah, some of them got home and then had to go right back to a Europe tour, like immediately afterwards. So that was like eleven days with ten shows or something like that. One day off, which they probably spent like on a bus or a short plane ride or something. Right? I'm sure they didn't have time to sightsee, but. Listen, broken pinky, too much. Like you're saying, how do you not take advantage of that? Though? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's 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 again. I don't want to sound like we're the grumpy, out of touch guys, but like, come on, are you kidding me? Any other era, wrapped. any other era, that dude comes out in his whole hand wrapped or whatever, and shows a doctor's note or whatever. Like this is cl- like that's wrestling, man. You know what I mean? That's wrestling, and and they got a gift wrap and they just didn't do it. So yeah, but they, you know what? They'd ruin it. They would hire a local actor to play a doctor. <laughs> And they'd have a doctor out there with them, and the segment would be 27 minutes long, and somebody's music would hit, and then they would both recite pre-written lines to each other. Uh, the, the the doctor actor would be atrocious. It would, yeah, you I know, know they would, right. you know they would just blow it anyway. Right. You know? or, so, or what Seth would say is what every WWE heel says when they turn heel is, "I don't know you any explanation." <laughs> Right. That's my two yeah. favorite thing. It's just they come out, their hair's kind of like like the Dakota Kai one was pretty fine. I mean, that, that turns awesome, by the way. That, that's actually the exact turn they should have done with her. But it's like they have they have a book now on, on those heel turns. It's like, you know, the women start like wearing their hair back or whatever, their hair tied back, like the makeup's a little darker, they got like eyeshadow on, and then they come out and they go, I don't owe you any explanation of why I did what I did. <laughs> it's like Let me tell you something about heel Dakota Kai. I lands of likes. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a big fan. I, I, I like I like every Dakota Kai, but yeah, that's uh, I, I get it. I get I, it. I'm into that. I mean, you know, she's got like you're saying, like the dark eye, you know, the dark uh, eye makeup now, a little different look. Well, she's got that okay, pullback hair, not, and I'm, I'm sure that's what gets the lands going too a little bit. I, you know, listen, it's, it's it's up in some, you know, it's it's pulled back as far as you could possibly pull it. Yeah, that's that's you know, we we don't need to slice and dice it. The <laughs> I'm fact <just> is, <laughs> it, it works. Okay, she went up about two points on the Lanzameter. Wow. Okay. You know, we don't do, listen. We don't do a horny show. We don't. We really That's, don't. Yeah. We, Which is, we, believe it or not, like people might think we do. I don't know why we get that rep. Uh, I, I can't imagine why. But no, we are not. We are not a horny show usually. So no, we never do a horny show. I'm just saying, she looks real good post heel turn. I was, uh, I was slapping the rewind button a few times on the NXT this week, Rich, to take another look at that. That was uh, very impressive. Which, by the way, that is one of the better heel turns in, in a long time. And I said that, obviously, with Kenta being like one of the all-time greats or whatever. But this year has had a, a, a quite a few good heel turns. And that one was great, yeah. too, because it was like, and we were screaming about it in our previews and stuff, too, is that if she didn't turn on those 
those girls, she would have looked like the biggest geek in the world. As in, like, hey, we don't want you, we don't want you, we don't want you. Hey, someone's hurt, yeah, come on in. <laughs> like, and then she just came out there and wrestled and, and was like, fine, and like, hey, uh, water under the bridge, it's all good. I love what she gets in and just immediately turns on her buddy and just kicks her in the, the gut and throws her against the cage. I love that turn. We didn't get a, t- a time to talk about it. We didn't do a show uh, the week of uh, uh, of TakeOver, but man, I love that heel turn. It was so perfect and so good. And and the best heel turns are, are usually the ones that you see a mile away and they just do it. You know what I mean? They don't they don't think too much about it. It's just they just do it. And it, it makes all the sense in the world sometimes. A lot of times the right booking move is the obvious booking move. You know, you don't always have to fool us. And that was an example of a booking move that everybody saw coming a mile away, and it was still the right move to make and the one you had to make. And she went right after Tegan Knox's like robotic knees. You know, she's had all those knee issues, and she's just slamming those knees into that cage door. And yeah, it was just a, a tremendous heel turn and and perfectly acceptable that we all saw it coming. You know, sometimes we talk about it all the time too. Sometimes uh, the best title changes are the ones that everyone knows is coming. That's well built and, and you know it's building to that moment and then you just fucking do it. And I think sometimes bookers get too wrapped up in trying to fool everybody and and sometimes they miss out on just those obvious feel-good moments. We we just talked to Kofi Kingston. He had the win at WrestleMania. Right, right, right. You know, and it would and and there was there was there would have been no other acceptable outcome. You know, he had to win that match. He should have won and he had to win and he won. And 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 it ended up being, you know, the best WWE moment of the year. And it's ultimately going to be one of those Pantheon WrestleMania moments. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, that's going to be one that people think of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're going to use that in highly clips forever as well. I mean, that that is, yeah, it's definitely reached that level uh, for them for sure. And, and, and yeah, that's, that's again, like a lot of times. And, and the good thing about doing the obvious title switches a lot is that when you do the not obvious one, it is that much more impactful. But the idea that like you always do the the not obvious one, and that ends up becoming like it, it, it's weird. And this is how kind of wrestling booking has evolved over the last you know ten fifteen years or whatever. Well, as we're kind of talking you know decade stuff here, is you get a lot of that now. Like you said, where, where, where bookers get a little too cute with it and just think, oh well, everybody knows this is going to happen, so I can't do this. And it's like, no, no, no. What you do is you do the obvious most of the time, so that when the obvious when when, when what should be obvious doesn't happen. Then that's like that. Then that's the surprise. That's the big deal. And 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 like I always I always go back to like the summer punk thing with with, with, with you know with CM Punk and, and Ring of Honor. It was like all right, there's no way he's going to win this match. There's no reason he should win this match, and he wins it. And like the only reason that that worked is because they had done like kind of the, the 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 title switches that made sense up until that point. And that was the first one where it was like, oh really? Okay, he didn't lose. That's strange. Or he won the match or whatever. So so there's ways you can do it. But yeah, we get a little too cute these days, and I think bookers get a little too worried. About what the fan? Oh, they already know this is going to happen, so we can't do that. Well, just just do that. Like that. That's a lot of times, like you said, is is sometimes or, or, or most of the times is is the best choice anyway. When the timing is right for something, you do it whether it's obvious or not. Fans wanted that Kofi win at that moment in time. They peaked that story for WrestleMania, you know, to perfection. Okay, it would have been all wrong if Daniel Bryan, you know won the match or somehow retained the title. And then Kofi won the title on Monday Night Raw the next night. Yeah, or, or the next, or the next month. That, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, that would suck. Yeah. No, the right timing for that was WrestleMania. And the right timing for this Dakota Kai turn, even though we all saw it coming, was when it was her turn to enter that match. Like that, it, that's when it needed to happen, you know, regardless of, of whether it surprised anyone or not. So it's just all about, that's, that's what great wrestling booking, it's all about peaking things, it, the challenge is to peak things 
for when you want them to peak, number one, and then recognizing if something isn't peaking when you expected it to, either because it's taking longer for the fans to come around or taking longer to tell your story or fans want it a little soon, is knowing when to change your plans and hit the peak yourself. And and there's many examples of missing the peak. You know, you just mentioned we, we let off the show talking about Seth Rollins. Did ROH miss the peak on Tyler Black or what? I mean, oh, that's God. like one about, of the most. Yeah, about nine months or so for that. Yeah, just absolutely. Yeah, so that's just one example of missing the peak, you know, and I, I can't remember off the top of my head 2009 ROH booking and if there were opportunities to give him the title before they did. But the point is, in hindsight, it was very obvious they missed the peak on that one. So, um, you know, another thing about Seth is, is uh, a quick aside before we get to the second thing you want to get to. Um, today, I just happened to start tallying up my end of year stuff. And, and uh, what I do every year is I, I tally up, I go in the notebook, I add up all of my four star matches for the year. Four stars are better. I break them down by wrestler and by promotion and all that. And I came up, look, I didn't, it's not like I expected the following three wrestlers to like clean up on my spreadsheet. Okay. But Rich, I was still a little surprised. There were three WWE wrestlers that barely had, they each had one match all year long that I rated four stars or higher. And they're major stars. And one of them was Seth Rollins. Does it surprise you that Seth Rollins only has one match in the Joe Lanza notebook? Now, listen, I don't speak for everyone, obviously. <laughs> right, right. But, but does that, but you, you know my taste, and we have similar taste. Maybe you would have three, maybe you would have zero. But I think you'd be around the same neighborhood, right? I mean, we're not like totally divergent in taste here. So does that surprise you at all that Seth only had one match? Not really, uh, to, to be honest. And, and, and it's one thing that we, I guess we really haven't, we sort of talk about it, uh, you know, when we cover WWE pay-per-views or we preview WWE pay-per-views or whatever. But there's this weird thing right now where the company has, where, where it doesn't really make any sense. Because just even two years ago, this company was rolling out like really, really good pay-per-views on a, on a near monthly basis. Three years ago, there was like incredible stuff every single month. We talked about it on the show. It was like, this is this is ridiculous. Like every pay-per-view is good. You know, every pay-per-view has like three or four matches that are really, really good. And, and they were enjoyable watches. But for whatever reason this year... I don't know if it's the aesthetics. I don't know if it's my takes. I don't know what, what it is exactly, but just nothing seems to click. You watch these pay-per-views, and it's just a a barrage of two- to three-star type matches, nothing that really gets going, nothing that really gets you excited. And Seth is one of the worst you know, guys in that because like you think, you, you sit down and you watch whatever, WWE Fastlane or whatever, and you're like, all right, here we go. It's Seth versus whoever. And, and you expect it to be good, and you think that it's going to be good, and then you watch it, and it's just there. It's just kind of... It, it, it just doesn't reach those high levels. So, no, I'm not really surprised because, you know, I'd have to go back and look at my list, but I can't off the top of my head. And, and I'm curious what the one match that you did get four stars. I mean, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. OK, what were the what were the really good Seth Rollins matches this year? What were the matches that you really, really liked? And I'm kind of striking out off the top of my head. I mean, I'll go I'll, I'll go click around and, and, and look at it here in a bit. But, yeah, there's not really that, that many that jump out to me that like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the beginning of the year was what the Dolph Ziggler stuff and, and that really stunk. I mean, God, there was that just absolute dud of a uh, main event that they had. There was the Wyatt stuff that never quite worked out. There was a bunch of Baron Corbin bullshit. Like he really has not had a very good year at all. So, no, no, I'm, I'm probably not surprised that, that he only has one four star. It was uh, Seth versus Brock on August 12th. I believe that is oh, uh, SummerSlam. Summer yeah, OK, OK. So I'm looking at my notes, too. I have that one at four stars as well. Um, yeah. trying to see if I have any others. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So that's Seth. Oh, style, oh style, so sorry. Styles and Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank. I also have uh, four. We'll stay on that. Uh, that is 519, 2019. 
let me see if I missed that. Uh, I don't remember much about it. Oh, I do remember this match. A lot of people liked it more than me. I remember now. I, I think we even had this conversation. It just didn't do a damn thing for me. But that's a good transition. Another guy on my list. AJ Styles, Rich. Oh, jeez. <laughs> One match. Wow. Yeah. Now, what have we been saying about AJ? The last two years, he is like the most overrated wrestler on the planet because he has this reputation of being like this best bout machine, this fucking, you know, uh, four stars every time the bell rings. He's AJ Styles. He's one of the best in the world. Richie has not been one of the best in the world over the last two years. I mean, outside of that Brock match, I think at the end of, was that the end of last year or the year before now? I think it was the end of last December, right? TLC last year or was it the year before? Um, I believe um, that was November. So, no, November 2017, I think, is the match you're thinking of. Are you thinking of the Survivor 17? Series? I think it was that one. I think if we have the right match. Let me make sure there's not another uh, Brock AJ match that I'm thinking of. But yeah, I think it's November 2017 that you're thinking okay, of. Okay, then, then, then I, I don't retract my statement for two years, basically. No, that's, that's the match you're thinking of, for sure. To me, that was the end. And, you know, he didn't have a great 17 either, in my opinion. Um, but 17 was still, you know, 18 and 19. AJ is, is, it's all reputation. Because if you really dig in, okay, you had the weird um, Samoa Joe feud where Samoa Joe wanted to stalk and fuck his wife. And those matches were okay. You had the Nakamura matches, which I think one of them I really liked and one was just okay. And this is 2018 I'm talking now, I think. And then this year, the guy hasn't done shit. You know, and I think it's a combination of age, number one. He's in his mid-40s now. Um, you know, house style, there's no question, like you just spoke about with Seth. The WWE house style is just not conducive to great matches anymore. It just isn't, you know? And then the third factor, I think, is I think a guy like AJ knows he doesn't have to press. You, know, you think he goes into the match with the same mentality that he went into his TNA and, and New Japan and Ring of Honor matches God, no. where he's like, wow, I've got to go out there and kill it tonight? No, because you don't have to. You can get by in WWE grabbing a headlock on Ricochet and, you know, going out there and having a three-star match. God, how 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 nothing is that feud been between those two? If you would have told me, <laughs> Rich, in, in, in two years or whatever, if in 2016 you said, Rich, in two years, AJ Styles and Ricochet are going to have like five matches in a year and they're going to be, they're just going to suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they, they don't suck, but they suck by like what they should be because they're just, they're just fine. They're just okay. They're three stars. They're three and a quarter. They're just mundane. And it's like, how do you, AJ Styles and Ricochet, like, how does that happen? How is that possible? Uh, I'm looking I at my list. You, I, uh, sorry, I just mean, to, I could, oh, go ahead. Yeah, finish your thing and then I'll, I'll tell I you. I can about tell you AJ quickly. List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, because I only have one for AJ. But I can tell you what it is. The, 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 the story of that feud, okay, was AJ Styles not allowing Ricochet to do what he does best and, right. and, 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 and grounding him. Which, okay, on its face, that's not a bad story. The problem with that story is by the third or fourth match, Ricochet needs to figure out that strategy, how to counter it, and then do all of the shit that gets Ricochet over. And then it would be nice if he'd win the fucking feud and win the match. You know what I mean? But that's just not how they do things. It's the same thing where AJ smothered Cedric Alexander, where everyone thought, oh, logically, Cedric Alexander is going to win this feud and win the title in the end. Because that's how wrestling fans think. They think logically. We, intellectuals, you and I, Rich, knew damn well that Ced was never going to get the upper hand in that. And it was just it was just AJ Styles smothering that dude, having matches... 60% as good as they could have been. And then Cedric Alexander, as a result, 
nev- never getting over, and now he's working main event against Mojo Rawley. So there you go. But what'd you have for AJ? So I'm, I'm I'm looking at these, and and I had that uh, I mentioned the, uh, the the AJ Seth match in uh, May that I had, and the yeah. only other AJ match that I have, and and this one is like this is always one of these ones that's kind of loose is the Elimination Chamber match that they had in February. But he's one of you know five or six guys in that match. So so is that. Do I count that as an AJ match? Yes, he was a part of it, but I don't know if that, like, intellectually, I don't know if I would really quite count that solely on his, you know, checking his box. So for the case, in, in, in this case, I have one, quote unquote, actual AJ match, and then there's the, the, another one that he was involved in as well, that, that I had four plus stars. Mine is the Elimination Chamber. That's it. Oh, really? So there you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's not good, if that's the only one. And, and, and like... The thing that's interesting too is we did hear from other people when when you were making those tweets about that, and it's not like it's not like we had a bunch of people saying, "Oh, you guys are assholes," or you're you know, even like WWE fans are like, "Oh yeah, I only have like one or two. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's 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 yeah. so weird that this company is just with all this talent. It it, it the house style is 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 really yeah. This year, if I feel it more than any other year that I felt it, and and it's not like this house style is is totally new, but for whatever reason, it just feels so constrictive these days. And, and and we always talk about it too. The crowds don't make any noise, so even if the match is like okay, like you're kind of bored watching it because the crowd's not making any noise, and it's just yeah. For whatever reason, the combination of the house style, the crowd, and just everything around it, it, it it's led to just a, a pathetic year for a company that has so much talent and so many opportunities as well. With these three hour, five hour, four hour pay per views every single month, like this should be the time when like guys are given 25 minutes now, and, and maybe that's an issue. Maybe that's the reason why these matches aren't quite as good. But like guys are given the time. Guys are given the outlets. The matches happen. The matchups happen. It's the right combinations of guys. There's very talented guys, and it just there's just nothing. This year has just kind of been a dud for the the entire company. It's not a big match promotion anymore. It's just not a mat a promotion where you're going to look to see great matches this year. It just hasn't been, and it's not. It's also not a promotion where you see bad matches. Everything is right in the middle in that company. They just don't peak very high. And really, Rich, it started last year. Because I remember having a similar conversation last year. But I don't think it was as bad as it is this year in terms of uh, lack of high-level matches. They just don't. And we're talking main roster here. Right, right. Which, which tells you that it's the main roster house style because guys kill it in NXT. And then they get called up. A great example is Ricochet. Okay, Before he got called up this year, I had five, six... Uh, about a half a dozen matches for Ricochet that were high-level matches. Uh, remember the Gargano match? He had it an early takeover yeah, this year. Absolutely. Fantastic. Match. Yeah. Incredible. And then Ricochet gets called up, and for the entire second half of the year, I've got nothing else involving Ricochet because he's just out there having the same three-star match that everybody else has because even a guy like Ricochet, they're like forcing him and wedging him into this house style. It's just not a play. And look, they don't, I don't think they care. It's just, it's, it, it's not about having great matches there. And because of the way everything is so micromanaged and controlled, it, you, you, it's really hard to have one anyway. And, and the third guy I wanted to bring up was Roman Reigns. One match for Roman Reigns as well. So it's like a guy like Roman Reigns, a guy like AJ Styles, a guy like Seth Rollins, Rich, they should be, they should have better output than this. You know, it's, 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 they're too good not to. And, and the scary part about Roman Reigns is, you know, he has just as many four-star matches this year, according to Joel Lanza, as The Undertaker. 
and that's Shane McMahon. Oh boy, you know why? <laughs> it's the one match I know what match yeah, it is because they were all in the same match. Dear God, yeah. that match ruled though. That match fucking rocked. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it opened up that pay per view, and it was a whole lot of fun. And you know, they 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 they, they disguised a lot of Undertaker's weaknesses and Shane's weaknesses by you know, making it a wild brawl, and I and I like that match. But that should not be the only Roman Reigns match of notes in an entire calendar year. So. Uh, I remember last year talking about how bad of a year it was in WWE for high-end matches. Yeah. This year was little worse. did we know. Little did we know, man. It is, it is pretty shocking. Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm, I'm looking at some of these cage match numbers too, and it's not like it's it's not. You know, people might think that we're on this own our own little island and we hate this company or whatever. I mean, look at look around. Like it's not just us. Like go to go on grapple, go on cage match. You know, look at our Twitter, even our Twitter replies, even from people that are ardent, you know, WWE fans. It's it's kind of the same thing. Like people kind of all agree that's like yeah it's not quite you know this this year just hasn't been high level for matches right now you, you it's and it's it's the main route i mean look because look I'll, look my number one wwe wrestler i mean look at it this way is gargano with six matches okay missed like half the year or two all right my my two guys tied for second are kyle o'reilly and akira tozawa <laughs> right who again one guy's an nxt guy and the other guy spent a year at the kids table on 205 live having those really good 205 Live matches that nobody was watching. And then after that, it's, you know, uh, Matt Riddle with five total matches, but one of them was in Evolve, so only four inside the company. And then finally you get to a main roster wrestler. Daniel Bryan had four. That's the number one main roster wrestler. And the only one with four or more. So, um, I just think it's, it's, it's the it's the working style of the, it's what they want out of their wrestlers on the main roster. It's just not conducive to what you know your your hardcore smarky type of fan would view as great high level matches. They just do not have them. All right, let's get to the uh, the, the second topic I was going to do. We've had some really good feedback on these uh, like decade in review things that we've been doing the last few uh, flagships, and we'll probably do these until the end of the year as well because it kept, you know helps kind of fill some space here. And 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 you put this up on Twitter as well, and I'm I'm kind of shocked as well is that we have not you know we're God what you know 25 days or whatever away from the end of this decade, and and there is just nothing out there about you know wrestler of the decade and matches of the decade and this sort of stuff. And it, it's kind of interesting that yeah wrestling media doesn't seem to I, I thought everybody would be chomping at the bit to talk about this stuff but nobody really is it's just kind of like we're the you know we're doing them on these flagships here and you know we've, we've had some discussions about doing a match of the decade thing we're obviously we have a ton of other projects going on at the end of the year as well and i guess we should have you know maybe planned for a little bit more end of the decade stuff because i kind of assume that a lot of other people are going to do stuff it's nothing man it is like this decade's going to come and go and we're just not gonna talk about it <laughs> i don't know what's going on with this but it's pretty interesting are you, are you surprised that like no one's doing anything else about this you know wrapping up a decade in, in any way shape or form nobody is doing any high profile best of the decade anything it's surprising to me you know and maybe we'll see some stuff come out in january or february but i I don't see it you know in the last couple of flagships we talked about wrestler of the decade we talked about moment of the decade and we're gonna do another one today but um you know we're guilty as charged too because outside of that we have a website we have a podcast we have a podcast network. We have subscribers, and we're not doing anything either. So I, why isn't anyone motivated to do best of the decade stuff? I figured people would be all over this, but it, even us, like just no one's doing it. I don't understand it. 
It is kind of weird, yeah. And and a big reason, like, I kind of assumed that everybody else was going to be doing it. So it was like, ah, whatever, we got our stuff. We have, you know, the New Japan ebook coming out. We have Match of the Year coming up, you know, in, in, in January or whatnot. So I kind of was just like, ah, whatever, we're going to have enough to do. And it's like, geez, what a missed opportunity. We really should have done a little bit more of this. But uh, I'm having fun with these discussions. And, and like I said, maybe we'll start seeing stuff in the last few weeks or we'll see stuff after the year turns. But, yeah, it feels like right now should be the time that everyone's doing it. And, and there's just really... Uh, not much happening, but uh, one one of the topics that you know I asked people some stuff that they wanted to hear about at the end of the decades and some sort of topic ideas or whatever. And the one that kind of hit me and the one that I, I kind of was most inspired by feud of the decade. And and the reason why I got kind of inspired by this is and you and I have had you and I have had this discussion a lot when we talk about like the Wrestling Observer Awards and that sort of stuff. Is that it feels like in 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 modern wrestling like a feud, the classic terminology for a feud doesn't quite like I don't know it's a, it, it, a lot of times it just ends up being like a series of matches like a series of matches that guys have or whatever but still what that said is you know I, I then sort of asked hey what was your you know your favorite feud of the decade to, to people on Twitter and we got a lot of really good responses and a lot that really did kind of inspire me to say you know what yeah this has really been if you think about it a, a, a really good decade in terms of, of high level feuds yeah some of the stuff is just like guys that have matches with each other but that's fine like in in, in my you know Steamboat and Flair is, is, is a feud even if it's just kind of a long collection of matches or whatever. So, you know, before I kind of list off names, I mean, obviously the one <laughs> that everyone's going to say, the one that we got the most replies to, and the one that there's no point in really even having a conversation about it. It's probably my pick. I'm sure it's your pick as well, is Okada and Tanahashi, right? Like, that's that's probably number one, correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's no... I, I couldn't put... I couldn't even make an argument to put anything ahead of it because, number one, it had the best matches. Number two... It drew a shit ton of money. Number three, it helped create a new star. I mean, everything you want out of that kind of feud. It wasn't like a blood feud or anything like that. But it ticked every box for everything you want out of that feud. Great long-term booking and planning. Uh, it, you know, it, it played out over the course of six or seven years. The matches were all phenomenal right through the match this year at the G1 which was another uh, great match. Uh, and, and again, it, it created the biggest star of the decade and one of the biggest stars of all time. It helped elevate someone into that position. So, yeah, I don't think there's any argument that would be my number one. Yeah, so 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 with that said, like let's kind of swipe that one for the record. It's it's fine. Okada Tanahashi, I agree, you agree, most of the people that replied agreed. But I think there's some fun ones to kind of dive into a little bit and talk about because there's one that kind of inspired me a, a little bit as well. There's ones that, that, that I really liked. Um, We'll stick with New Japan with this one and uh, Okada versus Omega. Does that one reach a high level feud of the decade here when we're talking about it? We're not talking about people that are in the conversation. Yeah, this could kind of be there. We're talking about ones that you would really non Okada Tanahashi division that you would really say, yeah, that is a feud of the decade. Would Okada and Omega reach that level for you? Yeah. Um, I'd probably have it in my top five or my top 10 because the matches were so incredibly awesome. And it really was sort of a, it was a very important feud too, from the perspective of uh, bringing new fans into New Japan and all and all that with with Omega and and uh, elevating Omega to another level as mm -hmm. a worldwide yeah, yeah. star and the creation of AEW and all that. So uh, again, yeah, that's a very, it's another very important feud. You know, there's some. That's a, it, there's some importance to it. You know, it, it, it's like that, that's what's, you know, that separates it maybe from some other feuds that maybe were, were more heated or I, I can't imagine many that had better matches, but, uh, 
it just ended up being a significant feud. So yeah, I think that that's a great pick. Yeah, and and I think for whatever reason, this one Okada Omega feels like it was like years ago. You know, what I mean, it feels like it was the early part of this decade, and it's like it wasn't that long ago. And it, it, I'm right with you. I mean, this is 2017, 2018. Really, is that feud at its at its peak? And and yeah, like you said, the series of matches definitely stand up as as all time greats. And like you said too, it was it was a huge huge opening to a lot of American fans and a lot of overseas fans to New Japan Pro Wrestling because Omega was 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 that that gate that a lot of people needed to get in there. And 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 yeah, the matches. Absolutely delivered uh, on on a top tier level, and 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 yeah, I think it absolutely is uh, one that deserves I- I- inclusion in there. Because initially I read it and I was like, I I don't know, you know, and then I'm thinking about it, I'm like, no, you know what, that that was a pretty damn good one. So that that's one that I totally agree with uh, as well. This one I like a lot, and this one's one of these interesting ones because it it, it plays into a lot of a different companies, different characters, different stuff. I don't know how you how do you classify feuds like that? Because the one I'm going to talk about here is Sting versus Generico, which by proxy is also you know Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens as well. So we have Sting versus Generico, and their feud really starts you know 2009 bleeds in through 2010 we see it pick back up in 2012 we see it happen again in nxt in what 2015 i want to say 2014 2015 forget the exact year and then again in like 2016 or whatever so this is one that has had many different links do you kind of combine these all together or do you think it's more you, you know should you separate Zayn and owens versus stina generico or do they all kind of blend in together for you a little bit no because i think it's all one feud because it all has some connective tissue when Kevin Owens powerbombed Sami Zayn into the ring apron on NXT, it wasn't done. It was done with, it was done by the company recognizing that they had a past. It wasn't something the company was doing that they were putting over as something brand new or fresh. They recognized the past history that they had. They talked about the past history that they had, and this was an extension of that. And then Kevin Owens referenced all that history in his in his promos and everything else. So to me, there's some connective tissue there. And to me, it's all one long feud that took place over the course of the entire decade in, in something like three or four different companies. Yeah, I, I'm right with you as well. And, and I think, you know, I, I went back and watched some of the... Uh, um Went back and watched Steen Generico uh, last because I was, I was talking about best Ring of Honor matches of the decade and kind of watching some of the stuff and and yeah man that stuff that those guys had I mean this is just fucking I watched that Final Battle 2010 uh, match the other day and it's just fucking great God it's really good and and yeah I always like I love the Zayn Owen stuff as as well so that that's one that like I don't know if a lot of people are going to initially put that at the top of their list or, or near the top of their list, but they probably should. It, it, I think if you watch those matches and really understand what was going on at the time and, and see that feud through and, and, and we were watching Ring of Honor at the time, it's a tremendous feud. I mean, absolutely, to me, is going to belong on my you know list of if I had to make a you know, top five feuds of the decade list. Steve Generico is absolutely up there. And by proxy, you know, Zayn and Owens as well. Oh, for many years, I called it the last great pro wrestling feud. Yeah, it was a blood feud, like the uh, last blood feud that we had where it was like two guys just wanted to kill one another. Just kill each other. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 again, if they would have just crossed paths at some point on fucking SmackDown last year over the US title or something and never referenced their past, that to me wouldn't count as part of the long narrative. But to me, everything they did in all these companies, it all had it was all one long story to me. Right. So, there was yeah, always a wink wink. There was always a wink wink nudge nudge to their past. No matter what, even if it was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, it was still wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Kevin Steen versus El Generico, always. Even even more than a wink and a nudge, I mean, they directly referenced 
their past, you know? So yeah, absolutely. That's, that's one of the top feuds of the decade, I think without question. Uh, so here's some other ones that, that, that really caught me uh, and, 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 and they're kind of recent ones as well. So I'm curious where you kind of rank them uh, and see if there's any recency buy-ins here. I'll, I'll kind of combine these two into one uh, David Starr versus Walter and David Starr versus Jordan Devlin. Yeah. Star Walter for sure. Back end of the decade. Uh, you know, I think the, the uh, common theme there is David Starr. David Starr, and you know, you could even toss in Star Janella in Beyond, right? And, and the, the, the thing there is Star. He is the common denominator because he's one of the few guys left on the indie scene who can reel you into a story with promos and emotion. And that is totally what we're lacking on the indies today. A guy who can, uh, you know, really get you emotionally invested in a story, whether it's for him or the other guy, or with lots of shades of gray, like the Devlin thing, right? And, you know, that's why David Starr uh, has risen to the heights he has and, and is a guy where if he is a regular and you're indie, he's going to be at the top of your card. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a top guy because he has that ability, you know, and, and he has the work to match it. So, yeah, those are those are very high end indie feuds. Absolutely, you, you, there, there's something you mentioned there that I, I think is really interesting, and something that I don't see a lot in in, in pro wrestling feuds anymore with pro wrestlers. And and, and it was you know, a little point that you brought up there, but it was that Star not only gets himself over, but also the guy that he's feuding with. He makes that guy matter too. Like yeah. those promos with Devlin, the stuff with Walter. It's all about. It's not David Star talking about himself and giving his accomplishments. It's, I do this, I do this, but you know what? That guy does that, and that's why I'm better than that guy. And it's like, it's a subtle little thing. It, it, and people are listening and probably going, oh, that really, like, think of feuds and think of wrestlers and think of promos and think of indies and, and whatever. How often do we see good promos and good characters that, that find a way to get both guys over? Where in Star's case, he wants him to be the good guy or him to be the bad guy, and the guy he's facing to be either good or bad as well. It, it's 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 this subtle little thing that a lot of people don't do anymore, and it's a reason why there's not many feuds anymore that are really high le- high level is because like that's a really that, that's a subtle little thing to do there, but it's so important, and he's so good at it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's the old Terry Funk theory. You know, it's like you don't want to bury your opponent too much because then you're beating a nobody. Yeah, right, right, right. right. It, it's that old theory. But I think, you know, uh, it isn't just in Europe. Like I said, I mean, I think they had what? Did they have four? They had four or five matches, Janela and Star, in, uh, in Beyond, culminating yeah, right, right, right. with the, uh, they had the, uh, what was it, at American Rana, I think, that the 60-minute Iron Man? Yeah, the Iron Man match. Which, that match fucking rocks, by the way. If you've not seen that match, and I I loathe 60-minute matches. I hate Iron Man matches, but it was legit one of the best ones I've ever seen. The, the timing of it, the pacing of it, the the elevation of certain spots, the falls when they came in, like, that is a tremendous match. Yeah, they had the New Year's Eve match. I remember that one. That was some kind of plunder. I don't know what the exact stipulation was. That might have been two or three years ago. And then they had a barbed wire match, and then I think they they finished it up with uh, with the with the with the sixty minute Iron Man. So, and again, same kind of deal there. I mean, Star is one of these guys who's just he's perfect for a long term feud. And you look at all of his feuds; they're all long term. And when I say long term, I'm not sucking eight months. Okay, I'm talking like years. Right, right. These, you know, and 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 he's able to keep you emotionally invested in his issues for years. 
all while working in multiple places and being, you know, one of the, you know, a true independent wrestler who was never tied down to one to one promotion either. And he, and he has all of these feuds going on concurrently as well. You know, so it's like the, 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 the emotional, the, the emotional effort that goes into the, he's doing them like several at a time too. So I don't think enough could be said with, with how great of a feud wrestler David Starr is, particularly in an era where it, it, that isn't like promotions don't try to draw money with feuds anymore. It's crazy. Like we've gotten away from that for some reason. And he's just a true throwback and great at it. So yes, across the board to all the ones you named. Yeah, yeah. Star it, Star is one that you kind of have to put in a category where I don't know if there's any one of those that I would say is a top five, but you kind of need to collect, especially the Devlin and, 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 and Walter ones. I mean, those feuds are interwoven like completely. Walter, Devlin, and Star, like those that yeah. feud exists because of, of of prior feuds and prior matches and prior like that's just interwoven. It, it, you can really combine those two if you really want to. And if that's the case, uh, it's definitely one that I think even even without even with recency bias or whatever, I still think that's one that 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 stands head and shoulders. Above a lot of the other feuds uh, th- this entire decade. Uh, one that, that I, I need to mention, a lot of people did mention, but it just didn't, it's just not for me, and, and it just didn't quite click for me at all, is Gargano versus Ciampa. Um, I'm, eh, I don't know. <laughs> like, the matches didn't reach that level for me. The feud didn't reach that level for me. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I, I understand why people mentioned it, but it's one that just doesn't register with me much at all. I, I get it, though. I mean, I get it. They, they, they tease the turn forever. They do the turn. And did, it, did the feud go on too long? I mean, for me and you, yes. it did. <laughs> yes. For a lot of the people listening, it did. But for the core NXT audience, did it? I mean, did, the, did, did that company's audience ever give up on it the way that we did? Did that company's audience think that it was far too melodramatic the way that we did? I, I don't think they did. I think that they kept doing that match and they over and over and over. And I think that the NXT fans kept eating it up. So maybe chalk it up to something that started off great, but then just went on for far too long for, for, for our tastes. And maybe I wouldn't put it on my personal list because of that. But I think I have to be fair and include it in a list of the great feuds of the decade. Is that a fair answer? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think from an obje- uh, an objective standpoint, it feels like it should belong there, even if like you and I can admit that it didn't quite hit that level for us or didn't quite you know work for us on that same level. So, so I think that's that that's fine. There, there's going to be a few that I think are, are this way as well because you know here's, here's a couple WWE ones that I'll kind of lump in together uh, and get your kind of quick hit thoughts on. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte was one that got mentioned a few times, and I don't for the decade. I don't know. Maybe I feel like next decade it might be a better case than than it was for this decade. I don't know. I just don't quite. It doesn't. Doesn't quite register for me whatsoever. Here's the problem with the horsewomen. Not not Rhonda and Shayna and those horsewomen, but the other horse. You know who I'm talking about. Um, it, there is no... What would be the pair-off between Sasha, Becky, Charlotte, and Bailey, right? Which two would you pair off if you had to say these two are the career rivals? I don't know if I have a great answer for that because they've been friends and partners and enemies and frenemies so many different times with each other, especially now that they've all been on the main roster for four or five years or whatever it is, that it's like, 
I don't have a good feel for it. It's all just a jumbled mess right, to me. Right, right. Like, I couldn't definitively tell you. How, like, if someone said, hey, describe the Becky Lynch-Charlotte feud, it'd be like, ah, <laughs> you know what? Like, how would you even do that? How would you properly say, okay, well, this is this happened, and then they had this match, and then that happened because of that match. It's like, like you said, like, they're tagging sometimes, they're in four-way sometimes, they're in a triple threat match sometimes. Lynch is against, you know, this person sometimes, and then she's against that. Like, it's very difficult to say, okay, here is, like, the other things that we talked about, Okada and Omega. Okada versus Tanahashi, Steen Generico, Star Devil, these other ones that we've talked about, Gargano Ciampa, there's a clear, this happened, then this happened, and then this happened, and that was the result of all these. I I couldn't even begin to tell you Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. It's all a big jumbled mess between the four of them. So I don't, like I said, I couldn't even tell you, maybe Becky and Charlotte would be the two where you would say, okay, these these two among the four and their story coming through together, these are the two big enemies. But what about Sasha and Charlotte? What about um, you know, Sasha and, and Bailey. I was going to say, then, yeah, the best match of that entire horsewomen feud thing or whatever was that match. Yeah, for sure. But then they're partners and they're winning tag team titles together. And the whole thing is too jumbled to me. And if I can't definitively pick out who the two arch rivals are, it, two of those women should hate each other. I should think that they hate each other's guts and wouldn't dream of teaming with each other ever. At least two, can we just pair off two of them and, and give us that, please? Do we have to jumble it all up and, and make it all confusing? And But that's the main roster. W, that's why it's so hard, main roster. W, because every month is essentially a reset button. Yeah. And and you just don't have those great long-term issues, you know? This isn't Dragon Gate. If this were Dragon Gate, you know, Bailey and Sasha or whoever would be side-eyeing each other for eight years, even when they weren't involved with it. You know what I mean? They would refuse to team with each other, and they would, even if they were in the same unit, they would refuse to team with each other, and they'd hate each other. And they, but it, that's just not how this company does things, unfortunately. So I can't put any of those four horsewomen feuds in, in in with each other. I just can't do it. Yeah, I'm with you there. We'll move on to here. Uh, Daniel Bryan versus The Authority. That was obviously the build to WrestleMania 30. Uh, a big moment in its time, but it really has felt like it maybe didn't it didn't have the lasting effect, and and obviously it, it, it there were some bumps in the road, and 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 you know people like to kind of forget that this thing kind of happened because you know the WWE just refused to do it, and Brian was in the Wyatt family for a little bit, and then they couldn't deny it, and then they put him back in there. So it, it, it's not as clean as like people kind of want to say, and it's not as clean as the narrative might tell you it was, but still a very good feud for its time. But I don't think it has a contender to be you know feud of the decade. Here's what it has: the satisfying moment at the end. Mm-hmm. It does have that. Uh, and and oddly, a lot of these feuds don't. You know, you can't. You look back and you say, "Well, what was the conclusion?" And there's one that I don't know if you're going to bring it up. I'm going to wait to see if you do, and if you don't, I will. But there's one feud where I saw a lot of people bring it up, but I'm thinking to myself, "Yeah, but there's no conclusion. I can't put it on the list." This one at least had a, a conclusion. Daniel Bryan won that title at WrestleMania in New Orleans. And he, he defeated the authority. The good guy beat the bad guys, right? The most basic of pro wrestling stories. So I'm going to differ from you. I would put it on, on a list of the best views of the decade. I would. Even with all of the things you said that are true, people have sort of rose-colored glasses with it. They don't know that the company, don't really remember that it was fought tooth and nail 
and had some rough patches. They still were trying to force feed Randy Orton. Yeah, remember the big show? Remember the big show? He punt. He came out. I forget what the fuck pay per view it was. Battleground, I want to say. And it was like the worst. It was like a horrible show. And it was like you know they had dicked around and done the Randy Orton thing for a few different months or whatever. And then they had a match. It was Brian and, and Orton, and Big Show just came in and punched everybody. And then the pay per view went off the air. <laughs> it was like no finish, nothing. And I was just like, they never talk about that. You know what I mean? It's like Daniel Bryan wins the title at SummerSlam, gets screwed over, then he gets in the ring with Triple H and says, "Give me the match at WrestleMania." It's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like there was like yeah. five months you guys left out of that feud, but it's like, uh, that's fine. I mean, the company wanted it to end at SummerSlam, but it was just the fans weren't having that shit. And the the worst thing about the big show is they tried to have him steal the yes chant. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that's right. They, the yes, the yes chant was so over oh, God. that the company's plan was to kind of transfer it by osmosis to big show. To get him over with it, and the, and again, it didn't work. Was this when Big Show uh, lost all of his money in the uh, his strip mall investments? Is that the same? Uh, is that is the same Big Show hat in hand to the authority story so. that I'm thinking I, of, or no? Okay, I, I think that's a slightly different era, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if it is or not. Try to try to try to try to figure out what Big Show era you're actually talking about is 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 a fun game as well. But yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, the fans forced their hand and they got what they want and they were given the satisfying conclusion. So, um, you know, it, even with all the messiness in between, I, I think I have to put it there just because of the satisfying conclusion. So now this one, I, I got a, a few times and, and the times that I got it, it was from, it was from people that didn't follow us. <laughs> and when you, when, when I give you this answer, you'll yeah. see why. And it was like, the, the responses were like, oh, there's no doubt it is this feud. And I'm like, oh, really? All right. And it's rock versus Cena. We had like six or seven people that I have never seen in our replies before. Their usernames are, you know, Bo WWE fan number one or whatever. And is like, oh, right. there's no question this is obviously the pick. And I'm like, all right, like that's, and it's one of these things where once you leave your bubble, like I would have, Joe, you would have, if you could have given me two hours to list every feud in this decade, I don't know that I would have gotten to rock versus Cena, but, but those people for those fans for Bo WWE fan, number one, or whatever the fuck I said, that was it. It was definitive. No question. Where where do you put rock and Cena? I wouldn't have thought of it either, but I can't disagree. No, I mean, they're, they're kind of right. Once I started to think about it a little bit, I was like, yeah, that was a huge deal. I mean, that was a, a crossover thing. It, it really lasted three years, really, if you think about it. Yeah, Rock wasn't there all the time, but like it started with the Miz-Cena uh, match, and it, it carried over to two straight WrestleManias as well. So, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's undeniable that that's a part of it. It has to be. Well, let's not forget the Miz and R-Truth versus the Rock and John <laughs> Cena. That's what <laughs> right, I <was> right. <laughs> Can't forget that class. But, yeah, it it... it lasted multiple WrestleManias and was a legitimate, well-told, long-term, multi-year story by WWE. That was in the early days of the flagship. And I remember talking about those matches and that feud a lot. And uh, I, I can't disagree. I mean, it drew money. I mean, you know, what's the point of a pro wrestling feud? Right. To get money out of your pocket. You know, and 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 uh, the matches were more than acceptable. They're not any kind of all-time greats, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, I would have never thought of that, but I cannot deny it. So I, I, I'll stay. I'll rubber stamp that one. Yeah, I have no problem with that one. I'm right with you too. But like I'm saying, I, I would have. You would have given me two hours, and I don't know if I would have gotten to that one. And then when I read it, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" That, 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 you know, Bo WWE fan number one is right. That absolutely right. is, and that is not a real cop, by the way. So don't uh, don't follow. 
that. It probably is a real account, but he, I don't know if that person was uh, uh, the one that followed us. But uh, this is another one that got mentioned a few times for WWE fans as well. Punk versus Cena. I mean, this is really the, you know, the beginning of this website is because of that feud, but one that I think because it got muddied so quickly. We talked about it as an important moment in the decade, and I think I would like it more as that as an important moment of the decade and an important match of the decade than I would like it as a feud of the decade because so quickly after it stopped being about punk versus Cena, it was really punk versus the authority punk versus Vince McMahon. And then it just got muddied right away into like punk versus Kevin Ash and punk versus triple H and all that sort of stuff. So the actual idea of it being punk versus Cena is so small. It's such a small part of the story that I, I, I just can't, I, I can't buy it being on this list whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, Cena was more a stand in for the company, but not in a heel way. Right. Just, Hey man, I work here and I like it here, and uh, you know I don't like those guys either. I don't like our bosses either, but you know I'll stand up for our fans and all this and that. So it's like a different kind of dynamic. But um, yeah, it's not a terrible pick. You know, I don't like it as much as some of the others we talked about, but it's not bad. It's all right. All right, let's get a little international here with these next, these last three, I should say. Here, uh, Dragon Lee versus Kamatachi. Yeah, I mean, look, still going, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> absolutely, it's still going. Listen. We're going to talk about this later on, but the fact that they're teaming at Wrestle Kingdom, right, against Injushin Thunder Liger's final match with Liger teaming with one of his best-known career rivals is not happenstance, okay? It absolutely is still going. These two men will forever be attached due to that, due, due to their series of matches in Mexico and then several that they had in Japan when Hiromu came back from excursion. And it's a different kind of feud in that, yeah, in Mexico, you know, they had the hair match or the hair versus mask or whatever, but really people are going to remember this feud for the great matches. And it's okay to have, maybe it's more of a rivalry than a feud, you know, but, but then you're splitting hairs. But fuck yeah. To me, this is one of those tentpole in-ring rivalries, one of the greatest of all time. This is right there with any of them. So I would absolutely put it on the list for top of the decade. No yeah, question. yeah. People that don't list this one, I think you just you, you probably have not seen these matches or you don't really know quite about it. But it absolutely is there. I think there's I believe that that series of videos from Cubs fan is still up there. If you just look up Dragon Lee versus Kamatachi, who's obviously Hiromu Takahashi, if you do not know that. Uh, I think that he's still got a collection of all those videos or a playlist of all the matches. And, like, a lot of the matches aren't super long. Like, you can watch that playlist in, like, one sitting pretty easily if you want. Like, yeah, there's, you know, some of the matches go a little bit longer. But it's not like you're going to watch 60-minute epics every single time out there. A lot of times it's pretty short. But, yeah, we've seen it. We've seen it carry over into New Japan. And now you have the real-life injury of Hiromu uh, at the hands of Dragon Lee, which I think only enhances it a little bit more. You know, unfortunately, you know, the circumstances are aren't great obviously that it took you know a man to break his neck or whatever but that should only enhance it more in the future and and yeah we talk about it as well and, and i think i've written it in the ebook a few times uh too is that like i want these guys 30 years down the line 40 years down the line if they're in the ring together they see each other and they just fucking brawl they just go like we always we always mention the all-time great of that is the strike force breakup is it you know rick martell and 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 uh uh why am i blanking on the fucking other uh tito santana. Yeah, tito santana why am i blanking on tito santana for god's sake is that like there'd be a royal it was like royal rumble 1992 or whatever and Tito Santana would run in and he'd see Rick Martel and he'd fucking fight. And it was like six years after they broke up. They've had nothing to do with each other for, from that point on forward. But like they would see each other and they just had to fucking fight each other. It's like, oh, wait, yeah, fuck you, dude. Like, I hate you. And 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 that's that's the makings of a really, really good feud, too. And that's what the Dragon Lee Kamatachi, Dragon Lee Hiromu, whatever, is going to go on forever because of that. And 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 hopefully so. And and yeah, like you said, not an accident whatsoever that they're teaming at Wrestle Kingdom. And, and I'd be kind of disappointed if they just team and they're just a good team. I want a little bit of friction, you know? I don't want this to be 
like, yeah, we're good. We're happy go lucky. High five. Like I want some, I want some side eyes. You know, this guy broke my neck. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not too happy with you right now, buddy. But uh, that, that'll be a fun one. We'll talk about that when we talk about the Wrestle Kingdom. There's so much symbolism in that match. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. The, and- the, the Sano versus and Liger teaming together after yeah, like, and- they should give side eyes to each other too. I hope that entire match is just like weirdly awkward. Like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, I don't really like you that much. Why are we teaming together? Like, yeah, but those two guys, I think they had eight or nine total matches in CMLL. Then they had the match at Fantastica Mania when Hiromu showed up as a surprise and then wasn't fully back in New Japan, if you recall. Then they had the match, obviously, where he broke his neck. They even had a match in Ring of Honor. You remember that one? Oh, what? yeah, that, yeah, 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 I do. It, it wasn't that great, but they had one in Ring of Honor. So they've had like 11 or 12 matches. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, no brainer to have on the list. I can't find right now if uh, if Cubs fan still has that playlist, but if 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 I do find out, I'll throw it in the show notes uh, so you guys can see it. And and for those who haven't seen the few, they can kind of watch it and, and and see what they think. All right, two more here, uh, both international ones: uh, Roosh and L.A. Park. Okay, now this is one where I was going to say I can't include this because there's no conclusion. You know, until they have the mask versus hair match, it's it's you you can't be an an all time great feud or a best feud of the decade when it's just left hanging. What they had a, a couple, you know, tag matches that ended up being walking brawls and they ended up having a couple matches that were also just like walking brawls and they, and, and, but what's, what's the conclusion to all of this? Who won the feud? There's no answer. So how can I put this on the list? It's not over or maybe it is over. We don't know. Now they've got like, what? Twenty days to finish, and it's not going to happen before the end of the decade. Number one, but I mean, if they have a match in March or something, and you know, Roosh takes his mask or he takes Roosh's hair, and they finally do a clean finish, Roosh, they don't even do clean finishes, you know. So it's like they're still in the stage of the feud where no one even beats the other guy. So it's like an in- number one, it's incomplete. It, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't have a conclusion, and quite honestly. It's like the most overrated fucking series of matches of the decade. If you really want to give, if you want to give it something of the decade, it's the most overrated series of matches of the decade. They walk and brawl, they hit each other in the head with fucking uh, various weapons, and then there's a bullshit finish. You know, and and look, I get it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I don't even understand the appeal of the matches. To be completely honest with you, so um, yeah, this was one that I was fully planning on taking a big shit on because I. Maybe if they had the blow-off, I'd feel different, and I would view it in the same lens as Gargano Ciampa, where, all right, it wasn't for me, but I get, I get it, and I include it. But they haven't even had a, a proper conclusion to this thing. This is two guys who you know, can't get a company to do business with them to finish it off the right way, and it's just too politi- thick politically, mm-hmm. and it, it just – give me some – I need some finishes – and I need a conclusive winner and loser to this thing. Otherwise, it's just a series of walking brawls that like aren't drastically different than what Jeff Jarrett did in TNA for ten years. I I I don't know. I don't include it. Not for me. Yeah, my big thing is that it's just not final yet, and like we don't know what it's going to be. Like we we don't know if this feud just never happens again. And and because like if if that was if they're just done, like say they just decide they're never going to do business together, and it, it it's whatever. Like I don't know that I can include it right now because it's like yeah, like you said, I, to me to to include it in a feud of the decade to say okay, this is that feud. It, like it it kind of 
it either has to feel like it had a finish or it's got to be so high level like Dragon Lee and Kamatachi was, where it doesn't have a definitive finish, but it feels like, you know, it, it feels like even if it is over, that you feel fulfilled. If Dragon Lee and Kamatachi come out on, or Dragon Lee and Hiromu or whatever, come out on Wrestle Kingdom and they hug and they go, oh, everything's water under the bridge, whatever, like, I think they've still had enough of a feud in that. That I could he call took it. his hair. Yeah. Right. He took his hair. <laughs> right, exactly. There, there's, there was those definitive things. He broke his neck. He took his like. There was enough in there that that, that really does feel like it was a finality. Even if the feud is going to continue, whereas Rush and, and LA Park, it's like, all right, what have we seen so far? Other than like they, they're they're still really in the midst of their feud. But the problem is, like you said, it's so politicized. It's like it's hard to really yeah, get excited about it. Too. Like, what's going to happen? You know, is that's it ever going to end? It probably not. Are are they in the midst of it or is it over? I, no one I, even, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, now, now, now I will say this: it drew money, it drew big money, okay. Which is why they kept dragging it out, dragging it out, dragging it out. But it's, uh, but again, there's there's no conclusion. I mean, it checks some boxes. If the matches were for you, okay, that's great. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. And it did draw money, that's for sure. You know, but it's like it's just missing too much for me. And they do wrap it up like next year or something. I'm more than willing to change my mind. But to me, it's just a feud that started and drew some money and was getting going. And then now it just, it's gone. I mean, there's, there's been plenty of feuds over the year that for one reason or another never concluded. And, and, and that's this one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I can't include it with some of the ones that we've named. Uh, here's the last one that I wanted to mention, and I'm really curious on your thoughts for this one because it was it was interesting. Like we said, The Rock versus Cena really hit with a certain type of fan base, and then this one seemed to hit with a, a, a certain fan base as well, and it's Jimmy Havoc versus Will Ospreay. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, that's a great one, particularly for that place and time, and it, the most important feud uh, for that promotion. So for that reason, I, I can uh, totally see why people brought that up. No question about it. You know, and, and Jimmy Havoc really, if you re- if you really want to look at, he's still being booked to this day, probably because of that feud, right? Right. I mean, let's be honest. And it really didn't wrap up until like last year or the year before when they finally had that uh, that that no DQ match or whatever it was, where where uh, Will was the heel and all that. So it actually lasted a number of years uh, with some hiatuses there and everything. So yeah, that you know, um, very important feud too for the region for the entire region. Not just the promotion that took place in, that took place in, but for the entire region as well. Yeah, and a lot of people will, will say that progress is probably be, what it is because of that match, and 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 the lasting effects of that as well as that entire scene really. It, it, it's not because of this match, but this match definitely helped that scene grow, and 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 in some cases, you know, helped it, you know, whatever it is right now, if you want to call it dead or dying or you know on life support or whatever, uh, because that scene, you know, got so big so quick or whatever, and got scooped up by WWE so quickly uh, as well. And a lot of that is because of Havoc and Osprey, you know, played a huge huge role in that. And it's funny that like neither of those guys are, you know, really. I guess they're benefiting in their own ways with, with, with Havoc and AEW and Osprey, you know, obviously doing New Japan and, and all his stuff that he's still doing. But uh, yeah, not not caught up in the WWE machine necessarily. While the, you know the entire scene uh, really did get caught up. So that's uh, that was a list of the ones that really stood out uh, to me in, in the replies that we had. I'm sure there's many more at Voices Wrestling uh, or the Voices Wrestling Discord, Voices Wrestling Discord uh, as well. If there's one that you think, oh my god, it had to be on the list and you guys didn't mention it, I thought it was interesting. No Bullet Club versus Elite. Uh, which like should have been a big feud, but just ended up not being anything. And like, I, I just thought we'd get enough Bullet Club fans or whatever that would come in there and say, "Yeah, oh, it's got to be that. It's got to be Cody versus Kenny or Bullet Club versus Elite." But there was there's zero of that. I didn't see one mention of it. I mean, I've I've got a couple. I'd like your opinion on. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so you got some extras. All right. 
Uh, let's see. What do you think about Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull? Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. No, it's got to be on there. Are you kidding? Yeah, when you Absolutely. talk about yeah, that's I'm dumb on me for not including that. Absolutely, that's one that was very similar to David Starr and Walter, maybe minus the same intensity, but in terms of one guy just unable to beat the other. Right, and it, it takes place in what I think we talked about this like six different promotions or whatever over the course of like four years or so. It's some ridiculous thing too, or it's it's like it's weird because it's not a straight line in a straight in a, in a company or whatever. But like if you watch the matches and follow the progression and and, and see what's happening in the matches, yeah, absolutely, it's got to be in there. But it's it it doesn't hit the classic sort of pro wrestling feud that 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 but it's kind of the new age we talked i think we even mentioned this on the show uh even maybe a year or so ago that it's like one of those new age pro wrestling feuds that doesn't know borders like it 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 it, it was in a bunch of different companies but it still was the same feud which is really cool yeah um i've been thinking about this did did dragon lee take his hair or his mask i'm doubting i think he took his mask not his hair we better clear that up before people start tweeting us. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's already happened, Joe. You, you talked about What did I say? Did I, I said hair, I right? think you said he took his hair. I think that's wrong. I think he took his mask. Yeah, I believe that is correct. But let me uh, let me clarify before we get <laughs> people. That, um, I think you were right, though. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll clarify as we go. But it was, yeah, okay. So it was mask versus mask, and it, it looks like he took his. Uh, Probably around 2015 or so, I'm going to guess. Or 2016. 20, 20, it was either 2015 or 2016. Yeah, it was. It, so it was March. It was March, uh, March 2015. Kamatache started with a mask. Correct. So I think he, yeah, okay, so he took his mask. He didn't take his hair. Okay. Um, I think because after he took off the mask, he had like a shaved head that for whatever reason, I, yeah, that's that you're right. I thought, I thought the same as well. I thought no. he took his hair, but I think, yeah. Okay. So, all right, stop tweeting at us. We got okay? it. We got it. He took the fucking, he took <laughs> the mask. And then on the way out, Dragon Lee took the title back, and then Kam- Kamatache left, and he went back to America at that point. Um, took like took a while, I think, but then uh, – not America, Japan. What am I talking about? Um, but they did have a match. Okay, so they had a match at Fantastica Mania, and then Hiromu went back to Mexico. I know that. And – I think Dragon Lee took his title back, whatever fucking weight class they're in in Mexico. Welterweight, lightweight, whatever the fuck. Then they had a match, a random match in Ring of Honor, and then I think from there, you know, Hiromu back in New Japan. And then right, right. Now any match that they have after that. that, that the, the one in Ring of Honor was the last Ring of Honor, or the last Kamatachi Dragon Lee match, and now obviously. It, well, okay, okay, all right. Well, that makes sense. And then, yeah, because I think they've, um, they've wrestled best as Super Juniors, They've been in the same block. Um, anyway, so yeah, Will and Marty was one I wanted to bring up. Uh, how about just in terms of a bell-to-bell in-ring, I could do anything you could do better, Willow Spray and Ricochet? Yeah, that that one's weird where I don't know that I... There's no hatred. Right, right. There's not... It's just kind of a showcase between the two. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I can include it, unfortunately. See, I'd put it in there just for the, I think that they, that was a sort of, when you look back at the decade, those were pretty important, like, bell-to-bell matches. You know, the the one, the Cork and Hall match is going to be a match that everybody remembers forever. Right. You know, a lot of people didn't like it, but you'll remember it, whether you liked it or not. 
whether you agree with what they chose to do that night or not, you know, um, and that broke through the wrestling bubble and got some mainstream attention for how viral it went. So how about Cena versus Owens? Ooh, that one was great. That was a good feud between those two guys. Yeah, that's one that well, unfortunately I, gets kind of lost to time a little bit, which is is weird because it was, what, 2015, 2016 uh, that yeah. was happening. But, yeah, those series of matches between those two were great. It's just I couldn't tell you any of the, like, the kind of stuff that happened in between the matches, but the matches themselves were, were tremendous. So that that's maybe where it doesn't quite click on me, uh, you know, click with me on that top, top level because, I, I like, again, I, don't, I couldn't tell you the story between these two, but I can tell you that the matches they had were fucking great, so. Uh, in terms of a superstar elevating a new guy, that's an element that this had right. that I think is pretty important. And then uh, one more I would say, this one's going back. Can't leave Dragon Gate out. How about Junction 3 versus who was what was the heel group at that time called? The, uh, are you thinking of Mad Blanky or um No, no, no. no. no when no. the entire when the entire promotion was split too, was it Blood Warriors? Ooh, was it Blood Warriors oh, versus Junction Three? <laughs> you got, I believe you're correct, but yeah, let, let's before we are looking it up. One minute, one yeah. second before. <laughs> uh, Blood Warriors, correct. Uh, yeah, yeah, Blood, yeah Blood, Warriors. Blood Warriors versus Junction Three. Was Shima's? And yeah, it, Shima's group was Blood Warriors. Yeah, exactly. Well, he switched at some point. Right, 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 right. So you're talking about an entire promotion <laughs> split in two, and it carried on for an entire year. Like it was one of their their tent pole years. It was an awesome year too so you want to talk about a unique feud that drew money and it was the only thing the company did all year was have one one faction feud with the other everyone was split there were a couple guys i think super Cisha, although he may have even been junction three i can't remember but there were a couple guys who like weren't on either side but they were like prelim level guys everybody else it was like 20 to a side and it would just be those two factions paired off on every single show all year long, and it was fucking awesome. So I do think that one deserved mention too. Uh, There's probably a few in Dragon Gate that were like just not like like classic Dragon Gate. Like I'm sure if someone told us, "Hey, what about that feud?" We would say, "Oh yeah, fuck yeah, that vlog's in there." But in classic Dragon Gate fashion, like you just I'll can't you off one. the top of your head think about it. Yeah, but what do you got? I'll give you another one. How about Shingo versus the old guys? Oh yeah, that was good stuff. When he went through them one by one. And then he gets to Shima, and Shima uses the signature holds of all of his defeated pals. It's great. God, that rules. Oh, my God. You want to talk about emotion and callbacks? You know, Shima just uh, – uh, Shingo just cutting through the old dudes in what I think was Shingo's best run in the company. And and then culminating with that Shima match. I mean, that was just – man, you know, it's just it's just great stuff that that has you – super emotionally invested and um i just want to throw two minor ones out i'm not suggesting these are contenders but if you want to look at independent wrestling at the truly local level right the first part of the decade had chase owens versus jason kincaid where they wrestled all over like the the appalachian region of the united states the smoky mountain region whatever you want to call it and they even ended up having matches in Texas, like all the way down to Texas. Right, right, yeah. And they must have wrestled, I mean, on record, maybe 20 or 30 times. But like for real, they probably wrestled 100 times. You know, in every tiny fucking YMCA and VFW hall everywhere in, in, in the fucking Smoky Mountain region. And uh, 
you know, those two guys largely off of that rivalry they had with each other, turn that into major league jobs. You know, Chase Owens in New Japan, Jason Kincaid with that long DDT run and later working for Evolve. And then sort of the second half of the decade in a feud that I'm not even sure it's over again, a local level feud would be Gary J versus Jake Parnell. Yeah, right, right. I was about to bring that one up. It's a great pick. All over the Midwest, right? Parnell now is doing this warhorse thing. So he's kind of changed directions slightly gimmick wise. And I'm not sure. I'm sure they're, they're not done wrestling each other. But for about three years there, those guys were wrestling and headlining in every Indian in the Midwest. Small, big, mid-sized, didn't matter. And, it, it, and that feud really reminded me a lot of Kincaid and Owens. Not in style at all, because Kincaid and Chase Owens were clearly influenced by like 90s New Japan juniors, like a lot of people their age were, right? Like that's the kind of style of matches they were having. Gary J and Jake Parnell are making each other's chest bleed. You know, they're chopping each other and putting each other through tables and working stiff and beating the living shit out of each other. So the match styles are completely different. But what those matches, what those feuds meant for their particular regions were, to me, mirror images of each other for one half of the decade and then the second half of the decade. Uh, real quick, I just wanted to go over uh, the uh, Observer uh, feud of the years that, that won each year to kind of see if, if if we missed anything. And we really didn't. We kind of listed just about everyone that won wrestling-wise. Uh, 2010 was Generico and Steen. We mentioned that one. Uh, 2011 was Cena versus Punk. We mentioned that one. Uh, 2012 and 2013 was Tanahashi versus Okada. Unfortunately, 14, 15, 16 is all ultimate fighting because the awards are mixed. So uh, I don't need to mention any of those. Uh, we- and, pro- and pro wrestling just struggles with feuds, let's be honest. Right, exactly. And that was a period. That I'm sure on the show we said there's no good feuds in wrestling anymore. So like you know, because right. a lot of these ones that we mentioned, if you really think about it, like Okada and Omega, I'm going to talk about right here. One in 2017, Okada versus Tanahashi. Obviously, that one st- speaks for itself. It won two times. Gargano and Champa is, is, is new. Star Devlin, Star Janela, Star Walter, new. Uh, you, you know, uh, the Dragon Lee Kamatachi thing is still relatively new in a lot of ways. Uh, Rush versus LA Park, as I said, that's still kind of. So a lot of these are like recent ones. There was a, a lull period there where just like it didn't feel like anybody was having really good feud so yeah it makes sense why the ufc won those three years uh 2017 as i mentioned okada versus uh omega uh and then 2018 gargano versus champa so we'll see uh what wins in 2019 but i think we we pretty much got every single one uh in there in in in, in some form or fashion so good stuff there so yeah i enjoy these i i like talking about the the positives of wrestling and some people are like hey what's the worst match of the decade like i have no interest in talking about the worst shit of the decade i don't remember the worst shit you know I just remember the good stuff, so I don't know the, the brain power to tell you what was terrible matches. There's a lot of terrible matches every week, so yeah. Um, I mean, I don't even know how I would even approach the worst match of the. I I I, I have a hard enough thinking of the worst match of the year. A lot. No, of the time. I just forget about the worst matches. Like unless they're like uh, historically terrible or like you know really super like a uh, Bray Wyatt and the Fiend I'm, uh, or, or the Fiend versus Seth Rollins in the Hell in a Cell. I'm gonna remember forever because it was like. So so horrible, <laughs> just so awful. But like, there's there's probably worse matches that I see on a monthly basis. But it's like it's in one ear out the other. It's like who cares, you know? Whatever. It's got time yeah. for this shit. So, um, yeah. So it's only gonna be positive stuff. Any anything else we talk about moving forward on this uh, decade stuff? But uh, we got some other wrestling stuff to get into. Uh, before we do that, Joe, I do want to let people know this is an ad free show, so there's no ads this week. But we're gonna slip in one thing here real quick, and that is our Patreon, Joe. You want to tell people why they are so dumb for not subscribing to Patreon? Yeah, I mean, number one, it's stupid cheap because we are idiots and we only charge $5 a month 
for a mountain of content. There are now uh, daily news roundups two to three times a week. Uh, I just posted one uh, this past Monday with, uh, with a few little exclusive bits. So you get those. Rich, you're starting to wrap up Kings of the Tokyo Dome. You only have a couple years left, right? I'm getting there. Yeah, I got four years left. But I'm in, I'm in the recent. It's, it's so funny to go back and watch stuff that like – you and I remember watching these matches and I remember our takes and our reviews and our thoughts on this stuff. So it's really interesting to go back and watch. Cause yeah, I'm in like, I just wrapped up uh, the, the Nakamura versus Tanahashi from 2014. Um, and I have the Okada versus Tanahashi match next. And actually a few Okada versus Tanahashi matches. So it's like, it's recent ish stuff, but it's actually kind of fun now to go back and look four years ago and see, okay, what were the takes at the time? What did people think at the time? What was the reaction at the time? So it's really fascinating. And yeah, we're, we're still seeing the effects of a lot of the stuff going on right now. So yeah, Kings of the Tokyo Dome, a really fun uh, series right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast to it and doing it. And I'm hearing some really good feedback as well too. So. Yeah, so you do those seasonally. You did the SummerSlam gimmick for a while, then you did the Fall Brawl recall. Now you got the Kings of the Tokyo Dome as we lead up to January fourth, and I'm sure you have something else up your sleeve for the oh, spring. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. It's it's fun to kind of because these are stuff that I like. I do this anyway. I watch a lot of these shows during the time periods anyway. So why not? You know, why not have some fun and do a review with it too? So yeah, uh, VOW yeah. retro content, really really good stuff on there. And you do the November to Remember as well. So I don't. Let's not, let's not yeah, the November that. to Remember a a, a long slow uh, well researched crawl through the entire history of ECW starting with 1992 and ending with WWECW uh, at the beginning of the next decade so um, every piece of ECW footage will be reviewed but it's really not so much about the match reviews as it is about the history and the lost stories I'm not going to sit here and retell all the same old stories that you've heard a million times either so uh, we're about seven or eight episodes in uh, so uh, and I'm taking my time with them so if you subscribe today you got plenty of time to catch up and I guarantee that you're going to learn something if you listen to Jovember to remember. And then uh, Rich has the house call where he brings the nurse on and, uh, and and they review a pro wrestling match through the eyes of someone who's not really a wrestling fan who thinks we're all a bunch of geeks for watching this bullshit. And uh, whenever this show runs long and we do, we have to do an overrun, that ends up uh, behind the paywall so you never have to get shortchanged on the flagship. You will never miss a minute of the flagship if you're a subscriber as well. And then a whole bunch of other shit too. So uh, you know, occasionally Rich and I will do an instant reaction uh, show uh, based on a major show or a major event in wrestling where we go on and and uh, we talk live about what we just watched. We probably don't do as many as those as we should, but uh, we occasionally do those. We've got Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. There's a ton of evergreen content on there too. So it's not like you know, if you subscribe, you're just going to be sitting around twiddling your thumbs waiting for us to put up news updates and things like that. There is a ton of shit to listen to. That is evergreen, and it doesn't matter when you hear it because it's retro content or we're talking about older matches or whatnot. So that $5 not only gets you everything that we're going to do, that $5 gets you everything we have ever done. So it's insanely cheap. Uh, we definitely undervalued ourselves, but it's too late now. So take it <laughs> We've made our down. bed, so make us feel stupid, <laughs> which we're going to do any day. But yeah, we, we yes. can't, there's no going back now, so just fucking subscribe, all right? Come on. Take advantage of it, plunk down the five bucks, and uh, and give us a shot. So there you go. Absolutely. And uh, one last thing, too. Uh, if you're doing any holiday shopping on uh, Amazon, voicewrestling.com slash Amazon, the same prices you would normally get on Amazon, uh, but a small percentage comes back to us. So, hey, if you're going to shop on Amazon, you might as well do voicewrestling.com slash Amazon. All right. Let us get to this. You talked a little bit about this in your uh, your Monday news update here, the Wrestle Kingdom 14 
cards are out. If you want Joe's initial reactions, like immediately after the shows, uh, you're going to definitely want to go in there. I feel like we're going to have a slightly muted Joe because I don't know if you're going to be as passionate as you were on that money uh, recap. So uh, if you want super, super passionate out of Joe on these uh, Wrestle Kingdom shows and these cards or whatever, uh, definitely the money uh, review there on the uh, patreon.com slash voice wrestling or voice wrestling.com slash Patreon. But, um, I forgot to mention too the the Thursday TV reviews where we break down the ratings of the Wednesday night before every single yeah, right, right. weekend. We are the first site, to my knowledge, to get that up because I've got that analysis up within an hour of the ratings. Yeah, you're out. sitting there hitting refresh. Okay, so. <laughs> you're sitting there hitting refresh on, on Show Buzz Daily or TV by the numbers or whatever. And the second that's ready to go, you're recording. You have it up within the hour. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, and I, I take 20 minutes to evaluate it and, and find my angle. And then I break down all those ratings for you. I'm the, we're the first site to have it up. So that's also behind the paywall. In addition to full reviews of both Dynamite and, and NXT as well. So those shows run about an hour, those Thursday TV reviews. And uh, we will break down the Wednesday Night Wars as long as there is interest in it. Eventually, the interest will fade. But for now, people are into it. So we do that every Thursday, every Thursday afternoon, about one or two hours or so after the ratings drop. So, uh, so yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there as well. All right, let's get but to yeah, these. I, oh, sorry, go Monday, ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, on the Monday News Roundup, I gave my initial thoughts on the Wrestle Kingdom card. So I'm going to kind of let Rich predominantly carry this one. But um, if I, I planned on doing it in the middle of the night on Sunday when the cards were announced, and I was fired up. And the only reason I didn't do audio right then in the moment is I would have woke everybody in the house up. <laughs> Screaming. <laughs> so I, I actually cooled off a little bit by the time. And then I just folded it into the Monday news update. You know what I mean? I just made it part of the update. So, um, so yeah, I was a little bit more subdued. But uh, I don't want to sit here and repeat all the same points. Listen, you got to pay a premium for my thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Okay? So, yeah, yeah. Go get that Patreon. But no, but, you know, so we haven't heard <laughs> what Rich has to say yet. So how do you want to do this, Rich? Do you want to go down the uh, cards for each day and then just uh, break down each match? And then I'm sure we'll do it many other times until the fourth. But yeah, uh, this our- isn't going to be our full on preview preview. We'll, we'll, we might talk about the matches a little bit, give some ideas. Initial about, but- thoughts. Initial yeah, thoughts. Yeah, yeah. But we'll, we'll have our official, official preview the week prior, obviously. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's get right down to it. So we have night one, obviously, the two night Wrestle Kingdom, uh, January 5th and January 4th is going to be the, uh, the two nights here. Uh, night one kicks off with a uh, Jushin Thunder Liger eight man tag match. Uh, it's Liger, Fujinami, Sasuke, Tiger Mask versus Sano, Otani, uh, Takiawa, and Taguchi. So there's also some other guys. There's uh, 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 Honagawa is, is your referee. You got Taguchi's out there with Kobayashi. There's a bunch. of It's just a lot of dudes, a lot of old guys. Basically, Liger's having a bunch of drinks with his friends, and they're going to have a, a good old time. El Samurai is coming out as well. So, yeah, there, there's going to be a ton of stuff uh, in this match. And I have no issue with this. We're going to talk about the night two where maybe I have some issues. But, like, this is perfect. This is the exact way that I think the second to last year's Thunder Liger match should be it's just Liger and all of his old fart friends hanging out and then also Taguchi's there too so <laughs> yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised if he booked both of these matches himself you know he probably has that kind of agency to where they allow him to do that uh, we know that he booked the Super J Cup this year so um, you know they trust him and it's his it's his retirement so unless he walked into the office and said hey man I want a title shot against Okada they were going to let him do what he wanted to do so um, yeah, this should be a shit ton of fun, and it's a chance to see some of these guys that a lot of people probably haven't seen in years. And um, yeah, it's going to have the corner men as well. I think El Samurai is in one corner. I forget the other corner. Who's the other uh, corner? It's, a, it's Kuniaki uh, Kobayashi is going to be the other one. That's uh, yeah, that's corner. So, and then there's uh, and then I think it's Fu- isn't it Fujiwara as the corner man on night two? 
Or is it solo? Um, it is... So I don't see it listed on here, but I thought I said... I, I thought I read that, but I don't see it listed on, uh, yeah, on here. Yeah, we'll figure so it out. officially if that... If that's the case, but yeah, well, one thing I will tell you about what matches like this is temper your expectations, though. Like these guys are like <laughs> Tatsumi Fujinami is not coming out and, and 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 having just a spectacular like Great Sasuke might do something silly or whatever, but like always because these things happen a lot on these like produce shows, like your Fujinami produce shows or whatever, or your your Kentakobachi produce shows or whatnot. Like uh, these matches happen a lot, but but really temper your expectations. Just go in thinking, hey, these are guys that are older, and this is gonna be fun watching them, but really do not expect this to be like a tremendous good match. Because it's like a lot of these guys are in their fifties and sixties, so it's like you gotta you gotta reel it in a little bit. So just just a little bit of a forewarning there. Yeah, I mean it's just you know it's 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 not about match quality. Obviously. No, it's watching those guys come out and seeing those guys interact or whatever. It's about seeing the great Sasuke tag in <laughs> to Tsumi Fujinami, which I'm here for, man. That I love the Liger team is incredible. Liger Fujinami Sasuke and Tiger Mask. Oh my god, I love it so. Yeah, Fujiwara. It's it's Yoshiaki Fujiwara cornering Sano and Liger. So, Got it. Okay. Okay. On 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 the second night. So yeah. So that that those are the two, and both of those matches are open up to shows. But anyway, well, let's stick with the fourth here. Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, so so we have the the second match on the fourth, and the one that you had much controversy about, and I I kind of agree as well. Uh, we have Lij Evil Sonata Shingo and Bushi versus Suzuki Goon, which is Minoru Suzuki Taichi Zack Saber Jr. and El Desperado. It is an eight man tag match. It is. Guys left in the stables, guys that don't have feuds, guys that don't have singles matches, but the two glaring names that stick out there, guys that you look at night two, and we're going to talk about it here in a bit, Shingo and Minoru Suzuki, this is it for them. And really, by proxy, I guess you can add Taichi to that, too. That's it for these guys. Shingo and, and Minoru, they, they mentioned that they were going to, you know, there was kind of that hint that there was going to be a singles feud between these guys, that maybe we get a singles match, and that's not to say we might not. We might still get that on night two, but I don't know, man. I think this might be it for them, and, and if that's the case... That absolutely sucks, especially because this match is just a nothing. It's just a here's guys left on the card, and it's it's disappointing when you have two shows, when you have two Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, here's everybody that's left on the card. I don't know. I, I it, it's hard to be positive about this. I'm, I I got to rig. I I got to I got to take him to task for this. I can't let this go because this is really in my really in my mind really bad booking. And in, in case of Shingo and in case of Minoru Suzuki, really having nothing else to do, um, but just being this random ass you know eight man tag just to fill out the card. I think we'll lump in the next one too, which is Chaos versus Bullet Club. It's Yoshihashi, Toru Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto versus Chase Owens, Yujiro, Bad Luck Fale, and Kenta. So what you have here are two eight-man tags, which my first problem is you've got to have a better plan for Shingo and Tomohiro Ishii uh, across two shows than one eight-man tag each. I mean, to me, that is... As close to inexcusable as you're going to get. I mean, I you can't. You've got two shows, Rich. If it was one show, I get it. People get left off every year. And what is my defense every year of that? Not just with Wrestle Kingdom, but with WrestleMania as well. Yeah, too I fucking bad. Yeah, <laughs> like be better, be be great. Yeah. Get over next year, and you'll get on the show. Get over next year, and they'll take you out of the Battle Royal. Uh, get over next year, and they'll take you out of the Eight Man Tag. So that's I'm being consistent, but with two shows, there's more than enough room on these shows to make sure that all of the people who deserve to be featured are featured. Do you know how I know that, Rich? Because they had room for two eight-man tags. And if you have room for two eight-man tags that nobody cares about, there's not a person on earth who cares about either one of these matches. If you have room for these two matches, then you have room for a couple more matches that are meaningful that people will care about. Okay. Because you've got two shows. So to me, it's a bad job. Now, 
with that said, this is the sort of asterisk I'll put on that. If both of these matches end up resulting in angles, either to build to something on the next day, or even if they don't build to us, even if we don't get Shingo and Minoru Suzuki the next day, but there's a big angle. Maybe, maybe Suzuki Gun turns on Suzuki in this match, and they do a big angle and write Suzuki off, right? And pay off all these rumors that he doesn't want to be in the company anymore. Then I'm okay with it. I will come on this show and I will apologize to Lord and Savior Gato, the greatest booker of this generation, for uh, pulling the wool over my eyes and delivering something meaningful anyway, right? And they might do angles with both of these matches. But if they go out there and have two seven-minute matches that are totally inconsequential with Chase Owens eating a pinfall, you know, like it's fucking destruction in Bipu or something, then no, you don't do throwaway eight-man tags on Wrestle Kingdom. You don't do it. This isn't New Beginning. This isn't Destruction. This isn't Road 2, whatever the fuck, okay? This is Wrestle Kingdom. You give me big-time matches on this show. You don't give me eight-man tags. So to me, it's, it's, it's almost inexcusable. You give me some angles, and I give Gato a call. I apologize, you know? But until then, this is bullshit. One thing that I look at, and, and you know, the symmetry of these two shows is night one shows eight matches, and, and that's pretty well locked in. We kind of think that that's probably going to be it, that they're probably not going to add anything more to this. And night two, right now, has eight matches. So, I, you know, people saying, oh, well, it's probably going to be, you know, maybe Shingo and, and Suzuki are going to have a match on night two. I don't really think so. Where's the room for that on night two? Like, how long is night two going? Like, they have eight matches already. There's, there's you know, yeah, some are still to be decided, but, but there's eight matches on that show. <laughs> and, like... I, you know, the idea that it's like, ah, they'll just lump this into the night, next night or this into the next night. Like, I don't think that's the case. So I think what's more likely is, like you said, that there is some sort of angle where Taichi and, and, and it takes over Suzuki gun and then they kick Suzuki out or, or, you know, Sonata turns on evil, like some, some shit like that. Who knows? Like what the hell they're going to do? Whatever. The, as long as there's some kind of, angle yeah, you like want that. something out of this, but like the idea that this is going to build to something next night, I think take that out of the conversation completely. Like they, where is the spot for that on night two? The, 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 night two is already loaded with shit. I don't think they have a space anymore. Like night one's the one that has space. Like that's the problem is night two does not have space. Night two is, is, is loaded with singles matches loaded with important matches. Night one is the one where you would do that. So, so this idea that like, Oh, you can just move something from night one over to night two. No, night one is like your night that needs a little bit of filler. And they filled it with, as you said, these just kind of meaningless, stupid, boring, nobody gives a shit, eight man tag matches. And and that's what we're left with. So our only hope is that, yeah, there's some angles involved in these matches, but if they're just like paint by numbers, 10 minute, get in, get it out, you know, Eight-man tags, like, I'm going to be super disappointed because, like you said, that stuff doesn't belong on Russell Kingdom, and, and especially not with this talented of a roster, this deep of a roster, and especially with the two nights as well. It's like, you can get every single person that deserves to be in a featured match in a featured match on these two nights, and and they just chose, in, in a lot of cases, between Shingo, Suzuki, I'll add Taichi to that too. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Taichi, but he's had a fantastic year. Uh, you can add Tomohiro Ishii to that as well, who's just like, guys that are just kind of there, and they're just kind of... You know, I don't really have much issue with evil. Yeah, I guess you can add evil in there too. Like, you feel like he should probably have you know something a little bit more. Like, I can get by him a little bit more than the other guys. But yeah, you could argue that that he should be in a bigger spot as well. So yeah, everybody else feels like they have a bigger spot or don't deserve it. But yeah, those four guys really stand out as like, all right, like this is the best you could do for them. Like, it's just I don't know. It, it feels a little. It 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 just kind of pisses me off a little bit. I feel like there's there's just too. This is filler. Like, we don't need filler on this show. Yeah, Wrestle Kingdom should never have filler. Okay? Um, you know, you got two shows, there's plenty of room. And it's, uh, 
I think people are working themselves into a shoot a little bit, like you're saying. There's not a you know, there's just not enough time on that second show to start adding matches to it from night one. I would love for them to do that, and I will be thrilled if they do that, and I hope that they do that. But I, I'm with you. I don't really see that happening. I'll be pleasantly surprised if it does. Uh, if we just get Bushi and Chase Owens eating a fall, in a <laughs> right. match, I mean, Rich, that's that's fucking that's destruction shit. That's fucking road to shit. That's re- that's wrestling Don Taku shit. That is not Wrestle Kingdom. It's just not befitting of these shows, and you're doing a double dome. You want it to be special, and this just rubs me the wrong way. And I'm sure that we will rant on it further in the coming weeks. All right. Uh, next, we have the IWGP Tag Team Title match. We got the Gorillas of Destiny defending the titles against Juice Robinson and David Finley, the winners of the World Tag League. Which, by the way, I don't know if you uh, you, you saw that final, right? The World Tag League final. I did. Tremendous match. Really good match. And 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 really kind of a, a star-making performance for David Finley as well. He's a guy that has never quite clicked with me on that big level. Uh, but this, I thought, was a tremendous match. Probably his best performance yet uh, in New Japan. But yeah, they, they get a chance at the Girls of Destiny. And unfortunately, as a result of a booking on night two, I'm really not excited about this match anymore because I, I it's just... I kind of feel I know what the result is. Like, hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully, you know, Finjuice does win. But given, you know, what Juice is doing on night two... I don't know. It's just, it just feels a little weird to me that, that they would announce Juice for, for a title match on night two. So that irks me a little bit as well because if it was just these guys and there wasn't that match on night two, I would tell you, oh, I'm all in on Finn Juice getting that win and, and David Finley hoisting the title up and, and recovering from his injury and Juice Robinson doing this and, and, and a new exciting tag team to kind of break up the thing. But it's, I don't know, is Juice going to be, you know, possibly a double champion or going for two titles and in, 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 in two straight dome matches? It's a little weird. So I, I hate that those matches kind of got booked at the same time and I don't know if you have the similar take as well about that but I mean this is kind of my point we have enough room on these shows for Juice Robinson to have two big time matches and I don't even have a problem with that necessarily good for Juice but Juice gets to be in two featured spots and Shingo Tomohiro Ishii and Minoru Suzuki don't get one this is you know it's like that's kind of my point to what we just ranted about. I don't understand it. You know, you could take away that Juice faces the winner match and you could have done Shingo Suzuki. And then if you must, you can still do your dopey six-man tag between LIJ and Suzuki Gun, right? You don't even have to take that match away. You can just take Shingo and Minoru Suzuki out of it and do that as a singles match on night two. So there was a million different ways out of this, which again, Rich, is why I think we might be getting a big angle in that Suzuki Gun match. Then it will all make sense. But again, maybe I'm working myself into a shoot with that as well. Yeah, we're, we're going to find out on those late December shows because they do a pretty good job of, of, of sort of getting you yeah. ready for, for stuff. So hopefully, yeah, we see maybe, uh, you know, Taichi giving Suzuki a side eye or something like that or, you know, a little bit of tension there. I, I don't know exactly what, but yeah, hopefully, but, hopefully but, something but, like, that. Like, but to your point, I mean, if Finn Juice loses to God. Then Juice is going to beat whoever he faces the next right, night, right? Which I think is going to happen. That's why I'm kind of expecting that to happen. Which is is um, is why I'm I'm kind of not excited about this this God versus Finn Juice match too. Because like I think the best story, the best culmination of the story is that Finn Juice wins and wins this title. And like I guess they do that, but then it feels so weird that Juice then the next night after just winning this title goes and loses a shot at that. Like it's just wonky and weird. I just don't get it. it it's it's strange. Oh, I'll be rooting for Finn Juice. And then at least it leaves the outcome of the next night a bit in doubt. Uh, and plus, Gorillas of Destiny are totally played out. Yeah, oh, dear God, please, Finjuice, win this title match, please. 
God, going back and looking, I'm, I'm getting ready for the ebook, uh, New Japan Wrestling ebook that we do every single year uh, as well. I'm going through the Grills of Destiny and their tag title run, and it's just like, oh my God, how boring yeah. is this run? They yeah, just have the I titles think- forever. It's just they just have the titles and they like kind of defend them, but not really, and the matches are no good. And it's just like, good God, like this division stinks. I mean, the best stuff they did was with the Briscoes, probably when it comes to promos and then. You know, at least one of the matches, I can't remember both, but one at least one of the matches was really good. But the problem with that is everyone had hand wave Ring of Honor at that point. Right, right, right. So no one was really paying attention. But um, And I guess we can lump in the uh, Texas Death Match, the IWGP US title, because we're talking about Juice anyway. And that's the next match on the show. And that's Lance Archer defending against John Moxley. Moxley attacked Archer and Suzuki and all those guys. Flew to Japan to shoot can, we, an yeah, can we talk about that? How awesome is John Moxley, man? Because yeah. the best thing is they did the hint where he comes up on the video board and he's talking shit on the video board, and you're thinking, all right, yeah, it's Moxley. And then he's out there. And it's like, dude, this dude flew to Japan to yeah. cut an A. I love John Moxley. This dude is like fucking loving life right now. You know what I mean? Like, he just loves being in for wrestling again. Because, like, yeah. imagine telling, like, who in the world, like, no long-term vet that's been around forever or whatever is going to say, yeah, sure, I'll get on a fucking flight, get off, attack a guy, and get back on a plane and go home. But he is. He's like, fuck yeah, I got to do it. Like, that's awesome. Like, good for him, man. That's 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 how you know you love this business, if you're willing to jump on a plane to cut an angle. Like, that. that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's into it. He's into what he's doing. And Archer is obviously one of the breakout stars in all of pro wrestling this year. And they're going to have a plunder match. And... You know, both of those guys can do plunder. And um, I, listen, I could tell you that, that, I mean, Lance Archer, he is going to be out in a singles match on Wrestle Kingdom defending a title. And, you know, if you saw him in the G1, especially the Will Ospreay match in Dallas, you know, he's going to be out to, to put in a performance of a lifetime here. He's going to, and, and Moxley always gives you good effort. So I'm really looking forward to this. It's just, why does the winner of this have to win two matches? <laughs> right, yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah, it's like I don't understand that. Like, why does Juice and what did Juice do to deserve this? What did Juice do to earn this advantage to where he only has to win one match, but these two guys have to win two? One of them is the champion, and the other never lost his title in the ring. <laughs> right. But those two guys have to win two matches to come away with the belt. And Juice, who lost the title in the ring, okay, he only has to win one. It's just, look, are the matches going to be good? Almost certainly. No matter what combination you get in the second match. But again, the booking is shaky. Right, we got to be fair. We got to be fair. And and for all those idiots that say we don't fucking ever criticize, listen to this show. Because here's us criticizing the booking, yeah. Or listen to any show, but right. yeah, I mean, but they're the dopes. Yeah, well, they're fucking idiots. They're but. fucking idiots, of course. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I don't love it. I don't love it. I'd much rather have Shingo and Suzuki in that spot on the second show. So, one thing I did want to bring. Oh, sorry, finish your thing, and then I'll, I'll bring it. No, I was. I wasn't going to say anything important. I was just going to say, but I guess when it all plays out, maybe it'll all make sense, and we'll look stupid. But right, I that's, that's likely to. That, that's happened a few times. Um, Texas Deathmatch. Are we getting a last man standing match, or what are we getting with this Texas Deathmatch? Because there are a few different types. Yeah, they haven't really laid that out. I think it's just, I I, I mean, all I can do is guess like you. I just think it's going to be no rules, and they're just going to fight all over the fucking building. But I don't don't know if it's going to be the old 10 count. I don't know if it's going to be until one man can no longer continue. I don't know if there's going to be like falls count anywhere. Right, because we've be. never established what exactly. Like a lot of different territories have used the Texas Deathmatch different ways. 
I so think Dave Meltzer. I think, match. Yeah, yeah. I think Dave Meltzer made that point. Oh, did he? he? Okay. About how, yeah, I think he talked about how it, it's different everywhere you go, so, and we don't know what the fuck this is in New Japan. So you're right. I, you know, and and I don't, I, I don't know either. I mean, they didn't, they haven't explained it, and um, maybe they. I mean, when what, when will that? I mean. Who knows? At yeah. some point, they need to tell us what the fucking rules are, <laughs> I right? I, mean, I don't know, man. I just the, the one thing I bring up is if it was, if it is a, a, a you answer the ten count type like last man standing match or whatever, then why is this not a deep sleep to lose match? You know, because uh, yeah, yeah. now we're talking. That's a stipulation you can you can set your watch to. The deep sleep to lose match was that Wrestle Kingdom oh, six or whatever. Was that with Tenzan? Be, yeah, yeah, it was Tenzan. <laughs> let's let's find out exactly what the deep Tenzan with the Anaconda device. <laughs> Yeah, Makabe, wasn't it? Wasn't it I believe that was the case. Yeah, I believe it was. Uh, I think or it was Azuka in that one? No, Azuka. Might, yeah, I think Azuka <laughs> might have been in that one. Let me find You're out right. exactly what that was. Okay, Wrestle Kingdom five. Uh, we had a deep sleep to lose match. It was it was Tenzan versus Azuka. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the match could only be won by choking the opponent unconscious. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a great match step. stipulation right there. Deep sleep to lose. That's fucking. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I'm not a big match stiff guy, but that one was. Uh, that's first of all, first of all, it's funny. And second of all, it's like you got to choke your man to the point of <laughs> almost your, death. Yeah, 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 so kill your opponent, make him pass out via you know strangulation, and then you have won your match. So that's uh... now, Rich. That's how you end the feud. <laughs> yeah, you cho- you literally nearly your you, your opponent is nearly dead, and you just lay him in the ring. You lay him in the ring unconscious, and you walk to the back, slapping hands with the crowd on the way. That that yeah, you've won. Yeah, this is an L.A. Park Roosh where no one ever wins, and they never end it. This is. A- <laughs> You end the feud by by attempting to kill the man. So, um, so yeah, that's Texas Death Match. We'll have to see what that's all about. And then, um, obviously, the back half of this. I mean, you could really start with the Texas Death, and the last four matches on this thing are just going to be, you know, fucking stupid good. It's the old Wrestle Kingdom closing stretch that we always talk about, where either the last four or five matches. They're just going to be progressively one better than the other. It's just pretty sick because now we've got Willow Spray defending against Hiromu. And listen, as we've talked about, these are two guys that are highly motivated to go out there and steal the entire fucking weekend. And when you're talking about two guys like this, where Hiromu is just out of his fucking mind and he's insane, and Willow Spray is just, he usually steals the show anyway when he's not pissed off about his card placement. I mean, the rich, the ceiling for this is five stars. How can it not be? Anything below four and a, this is one of those matches, unfortunately, where anything below like four and a half is a disappointment. Right. I'm, I'm fully expecting coming on the show and saying, Joe, I was, I just, it didn't quite reach the levels that I wanted. Uh, four yeah. and a half, you know, like you know, one of those where. Yeah. If this, if this isn't a surefire match of the year candidate, you're going to be let down. And that's, it's one of those matches where the bar is so high that it's almost a certainty that you're going to be disappointed. At least that's how I feel about it. And that's not even knowing if Hiromu can go anymore. Let's not forget that the man had a broken neck. Now he's going to wrestle a couple times in Cork and Hall, which, by the way, that bothers me too. Yeah, can I, I, I don't love it. Don't love it. Go ahead. Yeah, because I'm right with you. But yeah, go ahead. How the fuck is this not his return match? Why is he wrestling in Cork and Hall? And you're taking away, you're stripping the, 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 the nature of, the, of his return. 
Right. Have him go, if you if you want to get him ring time and get the ring rust off, then just put him to the fucking dojo and have him wrestle, you know, Uemur a few times to get ready or whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like if that's the concern and, and get the cardio up or whatever, I get that. But yeah, oh my god. He's got to walk through the curtain coming like yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Like it's a again, a layup. We talked about the Seth Rollins layup. This is the layup that his first return, his first time stepping through the ropes and getting in the ring is in the fucking Tokyo Dome. Or what, what are we doing here? Come on. You're totally taking the edge off his return and the other thing you're doing is why is he wrestling Will Ospreay before this match? Why? That's the other thing, too. I think he's on the opposite side of a tag with him. Don't, they should not fucking touch until the dome. Hiromu should not wrestle until the dome. He needs to come out and make that ring walk in the dome, and they need to stand off in the center of the ring while people take pictures and fucking chant and do a dual chant before they even lay a finger on each other. How are you putting him in Cork and Hall those three nights and letting these two guys wrestle each other before this match? Rich, that is unacceptable. I, 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 I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw that. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't love it. Yeah, I'm the same way as you. It's just like, it, it, it's ready-made for that to be his return and, and, and let that be the big moment. And, the, and, and yeah, the, just the idea like these guys are going to touch before that. Like, you want to see the first thing that these guys do is the bell rings and they just go at, you know what I mean? Like, because the vision in my head is that Haruma was not wrestled. We have, we don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he is. We don't know how healthy he is or whatever. The bell rings and he just goes and just does that flying drop kick right to Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay goes in the corner. He does the fucking barrel roll into the corner and it just proves to you in the first 13 seconds of the match, I'm fucking back. I'm Haruma, baby. You know what I mean? Like, that's the moment right there. That's the moment. And they're going to take that away. Yep. For no reason. <laughs> like it's, it's, no reason whatsoever. It's really it, bizarre, it's, yeah. I mean, they're going to sell out Cork and Hall anyway. You don't need it. You know, I understand it's a main event and all that, and I get it, but it's like, I don't know. You're really taking away some of what was going to be special about this match. So, And then this, the seventh and eighth match, of course, of the two tournament matches. Yep. The Intercontinental match and then the IWGP match. Uh, Jay White, Naito, you know, it's Jay White, and Jay White sort of has a self-imposed cap on how good his matches can be because they're very gimmick-heavy. Um, he, he he, his character work comes before his ring work. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, as far as Okada and Ibushi, I mean, again, this, much like Will Ospreay and Hiromu, this has an opportunity to be a match-of-the-year contender, and I don't, I don't expect anything less. I expect these two guys to go out there and have an extremely high-level match that uh, you know, is on everybody's spreadsheet um, the entire year. So that's how I view these two. As far as uh, the winners, Rich, I'm sticking with it. I think Tetsuya Naito defeats Kazuchika Okada on night two and, um, you know, redeems himself from 2000, was it 16 or 17? 17, right? 17, yeah. Um, and redeems himself from, you know, getting a little too cocky at the end of the match in 17, getting ahead of himself. And, uh, the Naito fans finally get a chance to rejoice. That's what I think we're going to get. Um, what I think that people are discounting far too much is Jay White winning mm-hmm. both nights. I agree. I think this that's has my number two. That's my number two. I like. I, I think if I if I was a betting man, gun in my head, whatever you want to say, it's Naito over Okada at Agreed. the end of night two. My number yeah. two choice is Jay White winning. Regardless of who, if, if, it's, if it's Ibushi, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's Jay doesn't White matter. standing tall in the middle of the Tokyo Dome while Gato points and laughs at the camera. Yes. And, and I think that this has Chris Jericho beating Steve Austin and The Rock in one night written all over it. Same story. You know, and it's like, um, 
you know, similar place in their careers and their characters as well. If you really want to take that's it a that great far. poll, that's a great poll. That match for um, sure. That that's yeah. That, I mean that event that night. Yeah, this is over two nights, but it's the same idea. You know, and 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 it's it'd be you know just as shocking and surprising, but it's totally a move I could see them pulling, and that's my number two. T- and I think everyone is discounting White. You know, Okada is Okada. You know, it's like who would be shocked if he rainmakers two of these fucking geeks and, and stands tall? It's Okada. You just see how they treat him. Abushi, he wins the G one and he's under contract now. There's good arguments for Abushi. Naito obviously has got to be the odds-on favorite, and the story is right there, right? It was his idea to do the tournament. He he gets to avenge the loss to Okada. It the story just makes too much sense for Naito. What everyone is discounting is Jay White spoiling the party for everyone. And quite honestly, I don't think that's the worst story. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's like people are very upset that when you when you even bring up that idea, and like I kind of like I'm sarcastically bringing it up a lot because I just want it to be in the conscience that like that is something like legit. I think that is the number two most possible scenario of the of them. Like I have Kotobushi. Stand, like we talk about standing tall, the, the final moment of, of of Russell Kingdom after night two or whatever, in the middle of the ring with the confetti falling. I have dead last Kotobushi doing it. Like I, I would put him at almost zero odds to do it. I just don't. I, yeah, like you said, there's odd, there, there's there's arguments to be made for it. I just I just don't see it. He's probably gonna do it now and he's gonna make me look like an idiot. But he's the what I have probably fourth. Okada, I probably have third because like you said, you know, it's still Okada. He's still the biggest star in the company. But I have Naito very, very close to Naito in there because it just it, it, or, or White very close to Naito there because it just like you said, it it, it works. It's a great way to put heat on, on on Jay White. You have four, you know, built-in matches or three built-in matches between White and and all these guys down the line as well. He's just such an gigantic prick that you could see you know that, that issue going in there and, and we always talk about it too and and, and I do want to bring this up again and we'll bring it up as we kind of get closer and have some more ideas of what the tickets are going to uh, are, are going to look like but you know from what everything we've heard is that the tickets look really good for night two and I, I <laughs> this isn't me saying that this is the right story to do and maybe it's not the right thing to do but we talked about it when we first talked about the show. They have never told you you're going to get Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. You can buy a ticket thinking that's what you're going to get, but they never told you you're going to get that. And if you are buying a ticket to get Okada versus Naito, and you're prepared to go into that Tokyo and see those guys, you have to leave the possibility that you bought a ticket, they looked at the tickets and said, hey, f- fuck, we sold out Tokyo Dome already. Hell, fuck it. Let's do Okada versus Naito in, at you know Dominion. Let's hold it off a little bit. Why do it right now? We've already sold the tickets. I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have the balls to do that. But this is a company that's had balls to do some pretty risky stuff, and Gato has had the balls to do some really risky stuff too. Again, not what I'm going to do, but don't discount that that being a possibility as well. Is that they look at it and go, "Hey, look, we already sold the dome. Why bother doing this Okada Naito thing right now? We'll, we'll wait and do it. It might be too cocky, and you might get a lot of pissed off fans. But you know, this is a company that has done that before, so just keep it in mind. We've had that conversation. And it's um, and I agree. I mean, if you you can't be mad if you bought a ticket to see Naito Okada and you don't get it, you cannot be mad. They've never advertised that match. Uh, and then, you know, it's like to me, if that show sells out before the fifth, you're wasting the biggest money match you have by doing that match on a show that was already sold out. You're just you're wasting it. Um, so they kind of put themselves in that position and you could make the argument that those tickets are selling because people are presuming they're going to see Okada Naito. So in reality, that match is selling the tickets, right? 
Right, right, right. But, for sure. But but to me, I look at it the other way. I, I if I'm the promoter, if I'm the booker or the promoter, I feel like I'm wasting the match because I never advertised it and the tickets are sold anyway. And maybe you know, but but the other thing is, and at that point you're like, well, maybe we change our plans and we fuck it. Well, let's make sure we use that match to sell tickets at another time next year. Or, right. Right. Or, for, or, for better or, or for worse. I mean, pro wrestling is all about a real pro wrestling business about getting you pay to pay it's for the next selling show. tickets. That's right. Yeah. And, to getting you to pay for that next show, the next time, right. the next time they come to your town, the ne- you know, then like, yeah, it's, it's all about delivering on a good show, but they want you leaving going, fuck, I got to get there for the next show. Yeah. You want to tell a satisfying story and give, and, 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 and give people a good show, but what's the purpose of the satisfying story and to give to sell tickets. It's all about selling tickets. So you can never lose sight of that. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's weird to me that they would potentially save this match for two years and then put it in a position where they ultimately didn't use it directly to fill the house that, and it does give you some pause with that said, this tends to be a company that plots out their big picture stuff well in advance, and they never really deviate from the plan, even when it looks like it's a bad idea. We have history that shows that. So they're not the kind of company, and Gato's not the kind of booker who just changes on a whim. So if his plan was Okada Naito, I think he's just going to stick with it. Right. It's hard to believe gonna... that like he's going to walk in on January 4th and go, like, hey, what's the advance for the 5th? And they say it's sold out, and he goes, all right, fuck it, white, you're the winner. Like, like that's, right, because... that's wild. Like, that's not exactly how he's done stuff. So No, because he's got – he very likely has the rest of his year and next year's Wrestle Kingdom plotted out already. And if he changes course, it fucks up everything that he's got plotted out. Um, so, I mean, he, you know, he, he, it's more than likely he knows his G1 winner and he has a good idea of next year's Wrestle Kingdom main event. And he probably knows his main events for Dominion and King of, and King of Pro Wrestling. At minimum, he knows those four things, you know, and it's like to change it within 24 hours, you're fucking up the whole year. And that just hasn't been their MO. If this was another if this was WWE. A million percent, they would base the finish based on how the tickets were oh, selling. Oh, for sure. Or were. out of the curtain, Vince would have a, a, a wrinkle in his head, and he goes, you know what? Fuck it. Naito, you're losing. <laughs> like, what? All yeah. Right. I mean, I'll, there'd be no question. And other right. companies, too. I'm not even I'm not even condemning WWE here. Uh, you know, and I'm not picking a side. Look, I'm all about do what you got to do to sell tickets without being fraudulent and, and without, you know, uh, misadvertising, which they aren't doing. You know, it's that's fine to me. I don't have a pro- I don't even have a problem with it, but I just don't think based on the way that they do things that they would pull a move like that. But I mean, you know, I, you know the, the one thing I think we will not see is Jay White and Abushi win on night one, because I I don't think you do Okada Naito in the geek match the next night. I don't think you do that. Um, especially if Naito, because that's a real gut punch to the Naito fans. Yeah. <laughs> if, I mean, no one, none of them will give a fuck if he beats Okada night two in the dopey third place match that, you know, I, I understand the winner of that's going to get a title shot, but Rich, does anybody care about the third place? I mean, come on. It's, it's, you know, it'll probably be a great match no matter who's in it, but uh, it really doesn't have the, uh, any kind of juice 
Yeah, and I don't think they would waste Okada Naito in that spot. All right, then we'll move on to night two here. So we have uh, January 5th, night two. We'll start out with a Jujutsu Thunder Liger's final match. It's Liger and Sano versus Ryu Lee and Hiromu Takahashi. Liger's final match, retirement match. What do you think about it being a tag match? Um, I've come around on it because I, it, the symbolism of it all with the rivals from one generation and the rivals from the current generation in a tag match against each other. I think it's a real vote of confidence for both Lee and Takahashi to be put in a match like this as partners against these two guys. And uh, more than likely, Liger booked all of this. So initially, I was upset that he wasn't going to be in a singles match. But when you take all of those things into consideration, I can't be upset. I was not thrilled with the idea of a three-way. I really didn't want that to happen. Agreed. So I'm way less angry about you know this than I would have been about a three-way. And, I, and I'm really not angry at all about this. I think this is... Uh, I've really come around on the idea of this match. Ah, you, took, you stole my thunder because that was going to be the exact thing I was going to say. Is like initially I was like, fuck that. God damn it. God, ah, God. And I was like, you know what? This is actually really, really cool because what, what it is is the symbolism of Liger and Sano, you know, the, the, the big, huge rivals during their career against Lee and, and, and Takahashi were huge rivals. And then you also have the idea that, like, you know that Jushin Liger, and this is kind of what his career has been in, over the last few years, is you know that he's he wants to put that next generation over. He wants that next generation to be the superstars. He wants to do everything he can for that next generation to, to be everything they can be. And it's obviously him saying that he thinks that the, that the former dragon Lee or whatever, and, and Hiromu Takahashi, that those guys are like the next, you know, phase of, of the junior heavyweights in new Japan. And when you realize that and you realize kind of the symbolism of, of, of Liger, who, who I don't think like, cause they probably, like you said, they probably let Liger do whatever he wanted to do. And Liger probably wanted this stuff. He doesn't want to have a singles match against whoever and beat him. Or like, that's just not Ben Dushan Liger's MO uh, over the last few years. So when you understand that, like he probably had a, a hand in this, that there's a little bit of symbolism in here and that it's it, in many cases, a passing of the torch moment. I, I'm absolutely fine with it. Like would I have preferred Liger versus Hiromu? or Liger versus Lee, maybe, but this is pretty damn good, too. So I, I, I can't complain, and I really have come around on it, and I'm really kind of enjoying it now at, at this point. So I, can't, I, I really cannot wait to see this. And uh, it's going to be obviously emotional with Liger you know, on the way out, so I uh, can't wait to see uh, what they do here. But yeah, that was my hot take is that I came around on it, so uh, it, it helped a little bit. I mean, when, when I heard that the, one of the ideas is a three-way, then I, oh, God, I would have hated a three-way to be the final. Hated that. So I, I love this a lot more than, than, than that option, so. And remember, keep in mind that his ceremony is the next day at Dash. So they're doing a big cer- going away ceremony for him too, at um, at at New Year Dash. So um, you know this this is like you'll you'll see him one more time, like in the gear, right, 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 all that shit. So um, you know, but this will be the last match. All right, then we have the junior heavyweight tag title match here. We got Bullet Club, Taiji Ishimori, and El Fantasmo uh, defending the titles against Rapongi 3K, the winners of the Super Junior Tag League uh, for the ninth straight year, I believe. Um, thoughts on this match initially? It's going to be really good. I just, I, I kind of want Ishimori and Fantasmo to win because I'm just, I'm really kind of sick of, of Rapongi 3K being the tag title champs and, and being at the top of that division. But uh, it's pretty likely that Rapongi 3K probably wins this, right? Yeah, they'll probably win the match. I think that. Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori are our dark horse tag team in the really year. good. Contend. They're great. Yeah, you go back and look at some of the matches. I was I was going back and getting ready for like the end of the year stuff and, and looking back at a lot of the stuff I rated during the, the Super Junior Tag League between these and that like that team's awesome. Like that team definitely like exceeded, you know, what I even expected out of them. And then then even more when I went back and looked at the matches and we're like, fuck, this is this is a really good team. Yeah, the feud with Birds of Prey was was just very good stuff. Three out of the four matches were were excellent high level matches. Um, 
you know, and 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 it, it, there's really not a ton of other contenders. I know you have the Axis Tag Team and Noah. Uh, you have the Violent Giants, who we'll talk about a little bit later too. Um, not a ton of teams. You know, the Young Bucks are always going to be contenders, but they spent a lot of the year not wrestling. So it wasn't exactly their best year. You actually made a case for the Rock and Roll Express last week, which shows you how uh, this isn't exactly a deep category this year. The Usos have been on the shelf because I don't want to accuse the wrong one. Who's the guy that has the DUI issues? Is it Jimmy or Joe? <laughs> I believe that. One of them has DUI issues. <laughs> I don't want to listen. I don't want to. You're right. You're right. You're right. I think it yes. is. Believe it is Jay. But let me confirm. Jimmy. It is actually Jimmy. Sorry, Jay. Jimmy. Okay. Yeah. yeah you, that's the last thing. You, you don't want to accuse someone of that if they have no issue. You know what I mean? But they've been on the shelf because of Jimmy. You said Jimmy. Correct. Because of Jimmy's, you know, um, um, personal issues or whatnot with his uh, drinking and driving. So they, they're usually in the mix, but they're not really in the mix, you know, and there's just not a ton of contenders. I guess you got the Lucha bros, you throw them in there and, uh, you know, I don't know, Santana and Ortiz, if you want, but I think they're right in there. Fantasmo and Ishimori. And as for Rapongi 3k, I mean, I mean, I'm on record. I think this should be their last year as a team. I, I think we're ready to split these guys up and do whatever you're going to do with them as singles. And, you know, I think show, especially if Willow spray, if this is it for him as a junior, if this is it for Will, and it's he's not on night two, okay? So we've seen them before, especially at Wrestle Kingdom. You know, a guy loses that junior title and then moves on to bigger and better things. You know, Kenny Omega being a good example. Um, you know, maybe Will Ospreay loses to Hiromu, which I think he will, and uh, disappears on night two. And maybe they do a big angle with him at Dash or whatever, and he just moves up to heavyweight. And that leaves a spot and some openings for guys like Robbie Eagles and 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 a guy like Sho, you know, and, and somebody like Yo, you know. So maybe, you know, for me, this would be the last year day team. You give them one definitive run with these titles starting here, split them up toward the end of the year, and make Sho one of your, uh, you know, future aces of the division. And, uh, you know, Yo, I think. Uh, you know, maybe he goes heel and joins Lij to pay off that big story. Who knows? But um, getting ahead of myself, I just feel like, like you, I've got some Rapongi 3K fatigue. Yeah, I'm just, I'd be real bored if they just win this match, and it's just like, all right, yeah, this guy again. Because, like, I, I, I'm right with you. I want the track to them breaking up is what I want right yeah. now, and 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 that track works a little bit better if they lose this match here, possibly. So. <laughs> Uh, so here goes down here. Uh, British heavyweight channel here is Zack Sabre Jr. against Sonata. So Sonata gets uh, his big singles match. Uh, you were correct in your prophecy from, what, 2016, I think, that <laughs> that this was going to be the big Sonata year. And we kind of see the culmination of that in this Wrestle Kingdom match. A big-time match, you know, a, you know, a big-time singles match for a big title. Uh, potential for him even winning this title as well, which would be really cool. But this is a huge moment for Sonata. And we've seen the growth in 2019. And he clearly uh, has leaped past evil and, and, and now is is... In, it's setting up for 2020 to be a year where he really is like one of the top guys. And, and not that he wasn't in 2022 or, or 2019 as well, because he was in plenty of big time singles matches and big time main events and whatnot too. So yeah, four matches with Okada. Exactly. Like he's, he's already leaped evil. I mean that, that like the idea that I, I'm seeing a lot of that of like, Oh, Sonata's ahead of evil right now. And it's like, no, he's been ahead of evil for a long, yeah. long time here. But yeah, this is even more of a culmination of like, okay, he's getting the big time singles match in Wrestle Kingdom and evil's just, you know, in the, in the eight man. So uh, that tells you where they're at there. So yeah, Sonata moving on. And, and I would not be surprised if he wins this match either. It'd be pretty cool to see, have him do that as well. Uh, get a few matches out of it and, and whatnot but yeah this one can go either way really but yeah it's the rev pro title you can do whatever you want with it but um you know the, the thing with sonata is he has a featured singles match at wrestle kingdom and evil shingo suzuki ishii do not 
And, you know, that tells you all you need to know about what they think of him. And look, if you're, if you're one of these people that does not like Sonata, and I get it, you're going to be seeing a lot more of them. And, and they're, they're going to push this guy. And he's going to be a major star here. And, you know, it's like I hesitated a few weeks ago, and, and I will lay this out that I do not have this confirmed. I do not have it confirmed. But the word on the street is he is now signed to a contract as well. And if that's the case, this all makes sense because you know how they are. They wait around until you put your name on paper, especially now with, with being on WWE's radar, especially. But even before then, they were the same way. They wait around until you're under contract and you're officially got that lion mark, and then they pull the trigger on you. So uh, that appears to be the case with Sonata. And, uh, you know, he's right up their alley for what they like in a wrestler. You know, he's got the look that they like. He has the size that they like. And, um, you know, you don't have four matches in one year with Okada, right? And beat him in one of them. And they not have pl- they have plans for this guy. Absolutely. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, then we have a bunch of to be decided matches coming up here. So we have the first of the to be decided. It's the winner of Archivert and Moxley versus Juice Robinson. We talked about that one a little bit on night yeah, one. So I don't think we need yeah. to go into any more detail there. Uh, yeah. Kenta versus Hiroki. Goto, Joe. Oh my God! Oh, you I, go first. People heard me rant. Uh, people, yeah. So I, I, in November when this whole thing was kind of getting going and the Sonata thing happened, I tweeted out at the time. I was like, you know, I'm gonna be so fucking disappointed if all this is Hiroki Goto stepping up for his friend Shibata and fighting Kenta in honor of his friend or whatever. And that's exactly what fucking happened. And I, I just hate it. it, it it's I, I, I would kill any other company for doing this and I'm going to kill new Japan for doing it. The first angle between Kenta and Shibata. I get it. Kenta turned on him. He beat up Shibata. That's heat. That's fine. It's all good. The second time though, when you have Shibata go out there and get physical and beat up Kenta and look like a million bucks, and it's built up to his friend fighting for him. That sucks. I'm sorry. And and I've seen a lot of people say, well, they were trying to get him cleared. Or, or he didn't get cleared. Then don't fucking do the angle. <laughs> like, I would say that for any other wrestling company. You don't have to do anything. It is pro fucking wrestling. If this guy is not cleared, you have no confidence he's going to get cleared. You don't think he's going to get cleared. You haven't gotten him cleared yet or whatever. You don't fucking do that angle until he's ready. Because all you did was get people excited about that match and then not delivered on it. And that is bad like that is not good that is bullshit and nobody's gonna be excited now by proxy because Roki Goto and, and, and Kenta if built up properly and they might still do a good job of it is gonna be a really good match I'm looking forward to that match that sounds awesome but all I'm gonna think about is fuck I wish Shibata was in there instead of Goto and that's not a reflection of Goto in this case it's not a reflection of Goto whatsoever but the money match is is, is Kenta and Shibata and they built to it it's not like we're working ourselves into a shoot here either fucking Kenta threw his shirt off and beat the fuck out of this guy and and made it known that he wanted him to, to fight him and now it's his buddy fighting him and it's just I I, I can't get past that that's just I, I would roast any other company for that I'm gonna roast New Japan for it that's just utter shit it's just book I, I don't know why they did the teases that they did. I, I couldn't tell you what the purpose of this was, but it's just, it stinks because it makes me less excited about a Kenta Hiroki Goto match, which will be good, but it's like, I, 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 I just can't let him off the hook on that. That is absolutely just bullshit that, that, that we're not getting Kenta Shibata here. So let me throw this at you. We said that we'd be satisfied with the eight man tags if they result in major angles, right? Would you be satisfied if Kenta gets by Goto? and successfully defends his title 
and Shibata slides under that bottom rope, goes nose to nose, and challenges Kenta for Sakura Genesis. In effect, saving the match when they maybe their thought process was, eh, that's a huge match that can fill a building. And we know we're going to fill these two buildings, or we think we will because we're cocky. Maybe we save it for something else. Sakura Genesis, Dominion, whatever. Maybe we don't know their schedule. Remember they shocked us last year? Oh my God, G1 in Dallas, two domes. We were all like, what the fuck? A major show in the UK. We don't know what's up their sleeve. What if New Beginning is in a gigantic building? What if both New Beginnings are in gigantic? But what you know what I mean? We don't know what they're doing. So what I'm getting around to is what if they... The, the end result of this is Kenta versus Shibata headlining another show in the first quarter of 2020. Do you give them a pass for this? I don't give them a pass because I would have done the angle that they did in November at Wrestle Kingdom then. You went so hard on it in November. Yeah. You have the people, the building was shaking from Shibata yeah. beating up Kenta. You Correct. can't go and rebottle that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not going to work if he slides in and goes, okay, now I want to fight you. It's like, why didn't you want to fight me here right now in January? Right. And that's the issue that I take is, is, is if, if that was the long-term plan, if the plan was we'll hold this off for Dominion or Sakura Genesis, I, I am fine with that. That is fine. But then that angle that happened in November happens at Wrestle Kingdom. Then Kenta right. and Goto have their little whatever, their dust up, and he beats up Goto, and he's being an asshole to Goto. And in the dome, night two, Wrestle Kingdom, Shibata slides in that ring and does exactly what he did in November. Throws the drop kick, throws the kick, does all that sort of stuff. Then I am saying that what a great angle, an all-time great angle that they just pulled off here. And I cannot wait to see Shibata and Kenta at, what, at, at, at you know, Sakura Genesis, Dominion, whatever the hell it's going to be. The fact that they already did that angle, now what, 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 what do we have left to do? Other than he slides right. in and goes, okay, I'll fight you now. And then the issue is red hot going into whatever match you're going to do as opposed to being six months old. Right. Right. No, I see what you're saying. Like, the only it'd be ex- cool. Like it'd be super cool, but like that angle then needed to happen at Russell Kingdom, then happened randomly in November for no reason. Well, here's why here's kind of where I'm going with this. Okay. New Japan USA, right, is coming. You you in theory need that title to sort of be the centerpiece of those tours, correct? At least that's the working theory. Right, right, right. Which, by the way, is why Moxley's not coming out of this as champion, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and then you have the Intercontinental title being merged with the heavyweight title, at least for the time being, correct? Double titles. Right. Do you see where I'm going? A little you need bit, the, yeah. You, you need the secondary title now, at least for the first half of 2020, to be a big-time title. What is bigger time? Then doing Kenta Shibata for the Never title on uh, see at that point Never is going to have to headline some shows because the Intercontinental's out of the mix, the U.S. is out of the mix. Never has to get elevated, and the best way to elevate it at this point would be to put it on Shibata, getting revenge on his fucking prick former best friend who turned on him in a match that would fill any building in Japan. That's why I'm saying. And playing devil's advocate, maybe the match is coming later. Oh, I'm sure. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it probably is. Wrong. You're I'm probably a, likely. You're, you're, you're probably right, for sure. I'm annoyed. Okay? I'm just as annoyed as you are. And look, 
we knew it was going to be Goto for the last month or two months. Yeah, I knew it when that and angle happened. Done. I went, fuck, this is going to be Goto for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's going to be Goto. Like, yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So, uh, you know, neither one of us were like taken, were blindsided by this, right? But when you look at it from that perspective, maybe it is smarter if Shibata is cleared to hold it off. And I'm sorry, I don't think you do two angles like that if he's not, or if you don't think he's going to be. Just doesn't make any sense. He's taking bumps anyway. So what the fuck is the difference if he can take? I mean, this is all a work. What's the difference if you take your bumps in angles, in quote unquote real matches, or in the dojo with Carl Fredericks? They're still bumps. So I think the whole thing is real fishy. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I feel it seems like you have to elevate never anyway. So I don't know. I just figured I would propose that theory and see what you thought about it. Yeah, no, you, you're probably right. But yeah, then, then I want a little bit. I, I would have switched a lot of what they, they did. And, and, and yeah. yeah, but that is what it is. So. I think maybe they thought they I think they may have gambled that they can get the guy cleared. And Goto was always the fallback plan. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe they just were forced to do the fallback plan because like you're saying, you would have, if the plan all along was to do the match in the spring, you would have held off the angle until Wrestle Kingdom. You're, you're a thousand percent right on that. It made no sense to do the angle when they did. You just would have had Kenta feud with Ishii for a while. And then you, you know, you do, you do Kent, then you go to Kenta Goto and then you do the angle. Right. He's like, a real prick to Goto and that gets Shibata, you know, going, all right, fuck you, dude. Like, that's my buddy. Like, yeah, what happens is, yeah, maybe he beats Goto and then Bullet Club's giving Goto a beat down and then Kenta clean, and then Shibata comes in and cleans house and tosses Tonga Loa out of the ring or whatever. And then it, it, and Kenta and Shibata face off. Then you do the, the same exact fucking angle. Right. But you do it at Wrestle Kingdom. So. All right, so we have the loser match here. The uh, loser of Okada and Ibushi and the loser versus White and Nate, uh, Naito. I, I don't, who cares? <laughs> yeah, I can't really. I would have yeah. just, I would have honestly, like, even though it's probably going to be a good match, I may have just said, you know what? If you lose, you're done. You know what's weird, too, is they're saying the winner is probably going to get the title shot in February or maybe uh, some point down the line. Like, the winner of that might be someone who lost to the guy who wins the tournament. Why the fuck should he get another I crack agree. at that? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of silly. Yeah, I uh, I would have, honestly, I would have just said, you know what, whoever loses, take the night off or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, this, could, this, this could be the sports fan in me, but I have no use for consolation matches. No, it's I'm just, right you, with you, too. Yeah, yeah. There's some people that probably are like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, there should be. But yeah, I think the sports fan in us, I would not want to see the, you know, the Eastern Conference runner-up versus the Western Conference runner-up in like a seven-game series. Like, who fucking cares? The like, Rockets versus the Cavaliers. Yeah. Like, here are the, you know. The I wouldn't watch a second of that. <laughs> it gives it, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, Here, it here's your third-place medal, Houston Rockets. Yay. <laughs> it's, you know, James Harden holding up a, you know, bronze medal. Yeah. <laughs> like, who cares? Yeah. yeah I, I don't have no desire. And the thing is, like, sport, a lot of sports used to do that. And they stopped doing those kind of games because they stopped drawing. Like, you know, the yeah, NCAA. Nobody wants to see that shit. Nobody. Yeah, there used to be a third place game in, in March Madness in the NCAA tournament years ago. And then they stopped selling tickets and people stopped watching it on TV. And they're like, we're wasting our time. We should, because. So maybe we're just coming at it from the perspective of big sports fans, where we don't care who finishes third. I care who wins. Yeah, I, I've been so. to uh, I've been to plenty. They they do consolation games in, like the Illinois basketball championships, and like yeah. it is because oh we'll see, but we'll watch all the games. We're there the entire weekend, and it is so funny to watch these teams that are so hyped up to get to the finals, 
And in this consolation game, Joe, it is the lowest effort you have ever seen in yeah. your life. And they get those bronze medals and they just hold on to them and then put them in their pockets. Like nobody, they don't want a third place medal. Are you kidding? Like yeah. it's, to them, it's embarrassing to go out there. And like, you can see that in their faces. They're kind of like, all right, like they want to finish their season well, but like nobody's trying. The coach is just kind of sitting there like, what? Like it's third place. Who cares? Like nobody cares about third place. You're not going to get a fucking parade because you finished third. You know, nobody's going to ever care. So yeah, the idea that we're like going to have this like, you know, Donnie Brook of a third place consolation match doesn't really do much for me. So it's funny because a lot of the college football bowl games, you know, the ones that get played in December, you know, the fucking uh, whatever the fuck, the Bell Helicopter, bowl. Yeah, the Bell Helicopter yeah, uh, Holiday like, Bowl or whatever. The sixth place ACC team versus the fifth place Big Ten team, and it's like gamblers feast on those games because what they do is they find out which coaches are taking them seriously and which coaches are taking it as an extra month of practice and a chance to play guys who they're going to play next year. And, you know, you obviously put the heavy money because usually if you have a first year head coach or if you have a head coach of a young team that could, they're going to put more effort into a totally meaningless game. Right, like, they can talk about it. They can use that momentum into next year and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you get the, you get the jump on who's taking it seriously and who isn't. And you can usually clean up. You know, you know, deep inside to get it's it's just meaningless games. You just don't get the same effort across the board from people. So, but this is pro wrestling, and I'm sure it's you know it's it's guaranteed to be two really good wrestlers. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be a good match. Yeah, I always like those because there's always like that big program that's in like the you know the potato bowl or whatever. You know that like they don't give a shit. Like it's like Florida, or Miami, or whatever. And they're just like fuck this. Who cares? <laughs> but I mean, and now in recent years, you have the guys who are draft eligible that don't even play. play. Yeah, yeah. They they leave the team. They don't even play. That tells you right there that like you're saying these consolation games that you watch in high school basketball. Same thing. There's just no one cares. You know, even the participants don't care. They would rather not be playing i love college bowl season though for the record like i i don't love college football as much as i used to but i still get all in on, on college bowl games because it's, so like, it's just like it's just like sit there and watch the uh belk bowl oh absolutely December. yeah the boca raton yeah. bowl or whatever the fuck yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally down because it's just like it, it's it's like two fun teams two teams that might not have all uh, otherwise faced each other like yeah it's it's weird. There's like nobody in attendance. There's like a thousand people in attendance because like no one's traveling across the country to go to the quick lane bowl or whatever. So it's just yeah, I, I don't know why I like it, but I have a perverse like interest in the uh, the bowl season. So no. yeah. Oh, Eastern Eastern Michigan versus Pittsburgh in the quick lane bowl. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's awesome. Like, where are you going to see that? Is that, the, is that the first one out of the gate? Uh, the that... first one out of the gate looks like the Bahamas Bowl. Bahamas Bowl. Charlotte versus Buffalo. Oh God. I didn't know, Char- I didn't know Charlotte was a D1 school. There we yeah, go. they moved up to D1, yeah. It, it, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I I can think of a million better things to do with my day. Than sit there I might not. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm probably not watching the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> yeah. New Mexico Bowl, the Central Michigan-San uh, Diego State. Well, Aztec action. I'm into that, but all right. You're, you're not watching. I'm not watching. I, you know, interestingly enough, I do watch a lot of those. I don't know why. I just like they're fun to kind of put on as background noise uh, for the most part. You know what's weird is like a lot of them will be on on like a Friday afternoon at four o'clock. That's I mean, like this one that I just I, know, the, like, I just closed the window, but the fucking Bahamas Bowl is at like two p.m. on a Thursday, and I'm like, all right, yeah, like, you know, and you're like, okay, you know, so you throw it on because there's nothing else on. But yeah, I get it. All right, so then we have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho. Jericho uh, plays a video. 
uh, to hype up this match. Uh, interested in this one for sure. Sounds like it'll be good. Uh, Jericho always delivers in his New Japan matches, so I don't know if it's going to reach the levels that the Okada or, or the, the really yeah the Okada and the Omega stuff did. But uh, it's still Horus Tanahashi and still Chris Jericho, and it's a second from the top on night two. So I think it's going to still be a big deal. It's going to deliver. Chris Jericho always delivers. When does he not deliver? You're right. He's 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 effort. Yeah, he'll he'll he doesn't wrestle every week, every single month. But yeah, when he's when he is there, he's he's giving it his all. So yeah, I'm excited about that. And, one. and it's two tremendous pros, smart wrestlers, all time greats. They're not going to lay an egg here. I mean, I, I'd be very surprised. So I, I think it'll deliver, especially in the semi main. And then the main event, of course, we talked about is is for the the heavyweight. Title, the unification of those two. So we'll talk about that much, much more as we get closer uh, to the event. But, uh, wow, that has taken up a lot of time, Joe. So we got to go pretty quick here uh, to get to the rest of the stuff we were going to talk about. But uh, one thing we wanted to touch on briefly here, WWE Cuts, uh, Luke Harper, Sin Cara, and The Ascension get their cuts. First uh, first WWE Cuts in a while, it seems like. I mean, there's there's been like little cuts here and there, one or two guys out. But the first time in, in a long time that we've had a, a, a glut of guys in – are we hearing that there's going to be more? Like, what 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 are what is our take on this? Do you think this is one and done, or or do you think more guys are, are maybe checking those cell phones and 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 maybe in some cases hoping and praying they get that call? Uh, there's rumors that there's more, and the rumors are that they there's a lot coming from NXT is the word I'm hearing. So uh, we'll see. It doesn't really surprise me. I mean, you know, obviously the roster is bloated, and aside from Luke Harper, I don't think there's anyone here that they feel like AEW could use. Um, Luke Harper, I think, is almost a lock to end up at AEW at some point. Um, but the others, I mean, the Ascension have almost no value. Um, the Sin Cara is in his 40s and he's a luchador. He'll get work in Mexico and, um, you know, he obviously can't take the gimmick with him. So it'll be the return of Hunico, um, you know, and, and good for him because he wanted out. Uh, the Ascension, I don't know. I mean, Victor is a guy who will probably stay in wrestling in some capacity. Conor, I don't know. Uh, he gained a lot of weight. He wasn't very good to begin with. I, you know, I don't see these guys being like... As, uh, Harper, yes, but I don't see these other guys being like indie superstars. I mean, I don't see Conor of the Ascension owning WrestleMania weekend. Right, see, grinding you know? and, and, and working everything he can do. Yeah, it is... It's because yeah, you saw them tweet out like "oh freedom" or yeah, we're finally happy. And I'm like, I don't know, guys. Victor, Victor <laughs> yeah, did, Victor yeah. did. Which it, again, like Victor, you're, you're right. He might, he might carve himself a. Listen, he at least has a history. Right, right. You know, he he wasn't a huge indie name, but he he's from that era. You know, he worked a small handful of ROH shows. He got signed by WWE very early on, which is why he didn't end up becoming a big indie guy. And there was a time where he had a reputation of being a good worker. Um. You know, Connor, it was just another guy who was just in the system forever, but never really was any good. He's just a big guy back when they were signing big guys. Um, Harper, obviously, as soon as his not did you see the sneaky thing they did with Harper? I didn't even realize this, Rich. They um you know, he's got the ninety day non compete, right? Right. That takes him up to about a week before his contract would have ended anyway. Yeah. So in reality, they're not really setting him free. It's just he's free a week early. That is fucking sneaky. They made him wait. <laughs> and then they look like they're nice guys. Right, oh, well, exactly. Like, oh, you know what, Luke? Here's your release. You get a week off early. You know, a week early. Yeah, like I think the dates, because Meltzer was talking about Yeah, it, it is. It's something like March 20th, and his contract was going to expire on the 30th or whatever. So it's like 10 days yeah, prior like, or something. Not, yeah, it's like the 8th. It's like March 8th and the March 20th. Yeah, it's like a 12-day difference or some shit. It's fucking sleazy. You know, and then it looks like they're doing him a favor. 
How much money do you think he's going to make in those 12 days? You know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous. But, I mean, he's a guy who every indie will instantly attempt to book the second he's free. And obviously, AEW will be calling him. And I would suspect MLW, New Japan, that guy is, he'll be fine. The others, I, you know, it, it, I'm not so sure. We'll have to see. And, and yeah, there are some rumors of some more cuts coming. And then we had Bobby Roode and uh, Primo popped for the uh, wellness violation. So I don't know. I guess our first one Primo. since 2016. So the entire roster has been <laughs> squeaky clean since 2016, apparently. But Primo is not even in the company. Like, hasn't worked in the company since uh, doing a dark match in February. Got popped, and also Bobby Roode. So, so Primo, who was staying home and being paid, now has to stay home and not get paid, right? Because you don't get paid <laughs> yes, when you're suspended. I don't know. Isn't that how it works? Do they get paid when they're suspended? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. That was an old WCW thing that they would suspend people with pay a lot. But uh, I guess the WWE is probably they, smarter about doing that and maybe just don't pay them during that period. So, Well, if they get paid, nothing changes with Primo. Like, <laughs> right. He was like, all right, can I work Mexico? Or can I work Puerto Rico still? And they're like, yeah, who cares, man? It's, it's- he, should just, he should just keep shooting up those fucking steroids. There's no fucking, you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, I, I would suspect it's without pay. I mean, otherwise, what's the punishment? Um. Oh uh, yeah, so so weird. Like it, it just it felt like a, a random throwback week to like 2015, where they would like cut people and people got suspended all the time. It's like we haven't had any yeah. of that happen in, in in three months or three years, and like all of a sudden this one week, it's like wellness violations. Guys are released. Like all right, whatever. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah. Uh, I we used to, there used to be a lot of content on our on our site. We would do like you know coverage of when That's guys fun. got cut and whatnot. Yeah, the the Black Friday. Remember the Black yeah. Friday in, in WWE history. I yeah, who's, I remember who's on that Black Friday. Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal, um, uh, Brodus Clay, uh, Matt Seidel, um, Teddy Long. Was it a Black Friday or a Black Wednesday? When did that Thursday? Thursday, Black Thursday. Okay, because I looked up Black Friday. There was a referee. Um, uh, that uh, there's a couple more. Um, oh, it's not coming up. Come on, damn it. All right, I'll find it eventually. But <laughs> there's like two more. I think it was like eight people total. I, I think you, I think you got most of it though. That that does sound um, that does sound pretty good. Yeah, that was a, that was a great article. I remember when that when that went down. So, oh, breaking down Dodi's Black Thursday. Okay, here we go. All right, so, all right, Yoshitatsu. You missed Yoshitatsu. Yep. Uh, we got Yoshitatsu, Evan Bourne, uh, Teddy Long, Drew McIntyre, Jinder Mahal. Uh, Camacho, Camacho was gone. Camacho there. was the other one I missed. Yeah, there's a referee I know. Mark Harris was the referee that yeah, we were Mark talking Harris. about. Yeah, Kurt Hawkins. Uh, oh, was, Kurt Hawkins was the yeah. other guy, and then Oksana. Oh, who could forget Oksana? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brodus Clay, JTG, of course. You know why I pick up my phone, JTJ. So uh, mm-hmm. JTG. So that was that. That was Black Thursday for you. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Good. Moment. This is the biggest. Uh, the biggest lump. Ju- this is the biggest group of cuts since that day. Really? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just need to see. I mean, like, I, I don't want people to lose their jobs, but I think the wrestling business is much healthier if they have a lot less people on their rosters. So I think they're I better off for it. I think every indie yeah. is better off for it. And I think some of these guys are better off for it, too. I really do think, like, someone like Lou Parker uh, could, can make as much money or, or close to as much money as he's making with WWE, most likely, while also feeling fulfilled in his job. So I, I, I can't really feel, you know, too terrible about that. So. This is a good thing for all of these people except for Connor. <laughs> right. Ryan O'Reilly, not good for uh for him. Yeah. That's But yeah. I yeah, I think this is good for the others. I mean, two of them asked for this. So 
And you're right. It reinvigorates the scene with some new, fresh talent. No matter where these people land, it's fresh talent for someone. And it's a good thing. I could totally see, like, a promotion like AIW out of Cleveland, they would book the Ascension in a fucking oh, they love yeah, that dude, kind of dude. And I, I really <laughs> like so 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 Connor blows and Connor sucks and and, and whatever, yeah. and he's fat now. And but but like, dude, if I was booking an indie, I'm bringing those guys in and I'm having them squash dudes for like two months or whatever. And then I Especially have the team that I want to build up next, beat them, and then they, you know, then thank you for your time, guys. Thanks for the two months. You guys were professional. Right. Thanks. Like that's what I would do with them. Like that, that's probably the best one because they're going to get initial pops. And if they beat your big guys, like that's a pretty good story to play. And then yeah, you do it for two months and they're done. Like it's not something you keep them for two years or whatever, beating everybody. But yeah, you get a little program out of it. You put your next team over, and then they they move on to the next thing. So yeah, and a promotion like AIW, it just it fits the tone of their promotion. They love shit like that. So, you know, it's, it's good for, you know, like you said, it's good for everyone involved when they cut the fat like this. It's just not good for WWE to have all these people under contract. It's bloat. All right, uh, let's get to this real quick. Uh, the All Japan Real World Tag League, they had their finals. I have not seen it, Joe, but you wanted to touch on it a little bit. It was Violent Giants defeating Jake Lee and Noah Nomura. Uh, what do you think of this match? Uh, should people go out and seek it out? And, and what do you think of the entire tournament uh, as a whole? Okay, well, I watched the final three matches of the final night, the three matches of consequence. Uh, and I have to tell you, the final night of the All Japan Tag League blew away the final night of the New Japan Tag League. And the final night of the New Japan Tag League wasn't that bad. Like, I didn't think that was bad. But Jake Lee and Nomura defeating Kento Miyahara and uh, uh, Yumi, oh, Aoyagi. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So. They needed Lee and Nomura needed to win that uh, to guarantee themselves in, in the final. That match was fucking awesome. Rich, you need to watch this match. The energy, it was good Jake Lee and not bad Jake Lee. And you know what I mean by that. Oh, yeah. He had some energy to him and some pop and was really probably, you know, well, Miyahara is always the star of the match, but he was probably the star of the match that wasn't Kento Miyahara. Aoyagi stepped, I mean, nonstop action from bell to bell, real intensity. And Leo Nomura win. Lee scores the pin on Miyahara. So they're going to do, and then they're doing Lee Miyahara on January 3rd, their traditional January 3rd show. So they're going back to Jake Lee. So hold that thought. We have a lot to unpack here. Then the Violent Giants are taking on Kai and Tajiri. They both have 10 points. If they draw, Lee and Nomura win the tournament because they have 12. If one team wins, they face Lee and Nomura in the finals. Okay, so obviously they didn't do the draw. Violent Giants win, which sets up. Now we have a tie. So then we get the impromptu playoff match to determine the winners of the tournament between Violent Giants and Leah Nomura. You following me? Got it. Yeah. yeah. At this point, the the Violent Giant win over Kai and Tajiri was a squash. Kai and Tajiri came out in clown paint, which I could really make a lot of jokes, but they're too easy. And I'm not going to do it. What a fucking dork. Kai is such a dork. They came out in fucking clown paint. And then it writes itself. You don't even need to say a joke. You just need to say Kai and Tajiri came out in clown paint. The end. No. Yeah. And then they got squashed. (laughs) So they they blew the mist in Ishikawa's face, but then they lost by choke out. Like Ishikawa choked out Tajiri. He didn't even get his ring robe off. He just choked him out. But they had like they came out in masks. When they took the masks off, they were wearing they looked like Doink the Clown. They were wearing clown paint. (laughs) It wasn't even like menacing looking. It was just like 
standard clown paint with like a smile on it. Like it was just idiots. So they take an intermission. They explain that Ishikawa got missed it. So they need to take the intermission. Right. So then they come back and they have the final and you got violent giants versus Leah Nomura. So Leah Nomura lost earlier this year to violent giants challenging for the tag titles, as you recall. And that made me go mental. You remember that rich? I'm like, why the fuck didn't Leah Nomura just win the titles from these guys? Why? Leah Nomura lost to Violent Giants in the league play earlier in this tournament. So, obviously, Leah Nomura beat Violent Giants here to win the tournament. Right, Rich? Hmm. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't. Why the fuck did they lose again? Why? They've lost three times to these guys this year. Right, they don't deserve anything anymore. Get these guys out of here. You're trying, to, you're trying to push these guys and elevate them to be to, to get on the level of Miyahara, and they can't get by Suwama and Ishikawa. Right, who you or, don't need to build up anymore. Let's be honest. You like, do not. They're fucking 50. And they've both been beaten by Miyahara a thousand fucking times. So why? The, the, the logical story to tell is Leah Nomura beating these guys. Especially if they lost to them twice already. What are we doing here? What the fuck are we doing here? Why on earth would they lose this match? Can anybody on planet Earth explain to me the logic of them losing this match to Violent Giants? And losing to them for a third time this year. When Lee is getting the next title shot against <laughs> Miyahara in yeah, less than a month. That's particularly egregious, too. That, like, all right, you lost. All right, here's the title shot. <laughs> and because Lee is getting the title shot and picked up the pin an hour earlier, that meant Nomura had to eat the pin in this match. Uh, and he was, and he's been hot. You've successfully managed to heat one of these guys up. And in one night, you picked the other one for the title shot, and you beat the one that you heated up. Yeah, just pin Suwama. Who fucking cares? He's not going to lose a thing. <laughs> like, what are we doing? I don't, Rich. I do not get it. What the fuck are they doing? And then this is why. This is why the show drew thirteen hundred fans when last year it drew almost eighteen hundred. Shit like this. And that's why this company is going to have negative attendance growth this year compared to last year. Shit like this. Take these two guys and fucking push them. Okay? You want to do Jake Lee Miyahara on, the, on January 3rd? Fine. I have no problem with it. Why isn't Nomura pinning one of these two 50-year-old men to win this tournament then? And then you're elevating both guys in one night, giving them both big wins. I don't understand. Am I, am I the crazy one? Am I crazy here, Rich, or am I making sense? Well, I mean, like, if it was the first time with these guys, like, there's a lot of different things that could 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 be in play here where it wouldn't be illogical, but the fact that, yeah, they beat these guys a bunch of other times. If this is the first time that they beat them, then okay, then you hit say, all right, well, they're not ready yet, or there's another story to be told or whatever. But yeah, they've been beating them like a drum all year, and then they finally have an opportunity to beat them, and then they lose again. And then they still get a title shot. It's just like, it's just dumb illogical booking. Yeah, it, They beat them a week stupid. ago. Right. I mean, what the fuck? They, they, come on, can they like beat that? That is wrestling one hundred and one. Is like you just you, you don't do, especially with the young guy. When it's young and old, it's just it, it's it's the perfect recipe to not get those guys over. If if that's the goal, if the goal is to bury Lee Nomura, then you've succeeded in that. But if the goal is the opposite to you know push those guys, then that's yeah, tr- terrible, terrible booking. I just it just it just drives you nuts. It's crazy how it's it's crazy to me 
how pro wrestling fans will rant and rave about the booking in New Japan and they'll rant and rave about the booking in AEW. And then you look at shit like this and it's like a million times fucking worse than anything you'll see in AEW or New Japan. It's fucking crazy to me. Not a peep out of anybody though. Not a peep out of anyone with this fucking utter shit. But they'll sit there and tell you that some mid-card match on Dynamite, ah, this guy, I don't know the fuck they're doing. Is pe- people are nuts. You know, they pick on the wrong shit. This is like the worst booked shit that you could ever come up right, with. Right, and this they, is like main eventers, future stars, the future of your company, the guys you're building around. Star. Like, yeah, it's not necessarily, it's not like, ah, Peter Avalon, what a dud. That's, I can't believe they're wasting time on Dark with Peter Avalon. This is like your next stars. The next guy's up are Leon Nomura and they're geeks. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, people will complain that New Japan doesn't know how to book dumb shit like fucking tag teams, which doesn't fucking matter, but then they'll give this a pass and no one talks. This is so awful, Rich. This is this is your two future stars and you're destroying them and they're doing it in front of your eyes. They lost this team three times in a row <laughs> on the same night where you're trying to set up the other guy for a title shot. And then, you ha- and then you're forced to bury Nomura in the final. I'm watching this and if I hadn't already saw the results, if I wasn't spoiled, Rich, I would have, when that final match came out, I would have said, oh, Nomura's going to pin one of these guys. It's obvious. There's no other possible outcome. What else would you possibly do here in this spot other than Nomura pinning fucking either one? Pick one. Because they're about the same in the pecking order, Suwama and Ishikawa. That's what's going to happen here because it's the only thing that makes sense. And I would have been thinking to myself, oh, what a great little story. They are finally going to overcome the monster tag team in the company that they haven't been able to beat the other two tries. They're going to do it in the same night that Jake Lee beat Miyahara. This is a great night for Lee and Nomura. <laughs> what tremendous booking this is going to so, be. Like we said, sometimes the simplest story is the best story. And- I'm going to go on the flagship and throw a bouquet of roses on all Japan this week is what I would have been thinking during that match if I hadn't known the result. And then Violent Giants win the fucking match for no reason whatsoever. There is no reason you can give me that's an acceptable reason. If you want to tell me it's because of injuries in the tournament and the whole thing got rebooked and it got fucked up, and I don't care. They still should have won that match, even if that wasn't the fucking plan. Okay? There's no reason for them to lose that match. There's none whatsoever. And while we're at it, they should have then beat Sai and Zeus for the tag team titles too. If you're going to push them, fucking push them. Go all the way because you need to go all the way with somebody. And I'm tired of coming on this show and talking about how much they fuck up these two guys. I'm tired of it, Rich. And we're the only ones that ever say anything. For some reason, it gets a pass. But you'll, you'll, you'll talk about how Gato doesn't know how to book junior tag teams like it matters at all. With eight straight years of fucking growth, that's what you'll pick on. I, I, it, it doesn't make it. This gets a pass, though. And I'm sick of it. Yeah, they, they've been living off the. All Japan's been really living off the reputation of of you know Akiyama bringing them back from the dead and 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 getting them you know risen up a little bit and and, and getting them. Yeah, well, they're headed back. And that's what I mean. Like that's we need to start kind of reversing that a little bit and going. Okay, well, let's talk about why they're going down the opposite way now because because that's a huge story. That should be a huge story going into 2020. Is that they're on the way back down again? Like I don't know if they're going to reach the depths that they did. But with shit like this, it won't take long. And, and, and uh, we're well, starting to see it a little bit. You, yeah. you are just working against these two guys. 
If, if one of these two guys gets over, it won't be because of how they were booked. And it's like one step forward. It's, it's the literal definition of one step forward and two steps back. They do good things with the carnival with these guys, and then they take two steps back. It, it's, it's fucking unbelievable. It's unreal. And watch. Jake Lee will probably win the title from Miyahara on the third. He's not ready. And Nomura was the guy. And they picked the wrong fucking guy. And they cooled off the one that was getting hot. And it just drives you nuts. It's fucking insane. So anyway, that was your All Japan Tag League Finals. Good matches. <laughs> there you though. go, yeah. Really good matches, even though the, the result was fucking all wrong. All right, let's get to these shows this weekend. There's plenty going on. We'll start, Joe, very quickly with WWE Tables, Ladders, and Chairs 2019. We only have six matches so far. I'm sure many more will be announced over the weekend uh, via, I don't know if this is to be believed or whatnot, but uh, Dave Meltzer did bring up that uh, Vince McMahon's new directive is to announce stuff last minute because it, it gets uh, buys on WWE Network. So uh, in this case, these reviews are going to be much quicker because we only have six matches to talk about. So we have Rusev versus Bobby Lashley in a tables match because Rusev put Bobby Lashley through a table when they were signing the divorce papers. So All the way around, all the way around. Oh, who fucking cares? All right, tables match. <laughs> oh, they're finally having their match, but I mean, because they, they, they screw jobs us at Starcade. And didn't give us the match. Isn't that what the deal was? Like, they were supposed to wrestle at Starcade. They were. They it was supposed to be a last man standing match at Starcade, and then they just said, fuck yeah, that. And so now, presumably, we're finally getting the match in the weirdest feud in wrestling because some weeks it pops the numbers, some weeks it loses viewers. Um, I think it's all just happenstance. I think people are just indifferent on the whole thing, to be completely honest, because um, there's no real pattern with the feud in terms of the quarter hours. But um, yeah, they'll finally have their match. and I guess if Lana is already divorcing them and fucking the other guy, then what really is the point? I mean, what's, you know, what are we doing? Yeah, I, I, don't, I, get, I don't know why like, Rusev cares. Yeah, just kind of be like, all right, whatever, dude. I don't care. Fuck her. <laughs> like, have, have fun with my wife, so I don't give a shit. I, I mean, it, you know, I, they're, they're divorced in storyline, right? Wasn't that the whole point on Monday? I or believe it did was. it not happen? Because like, what, what are we doing? Can we no, move I, on? <laughs> tables, ladders, I, and chairs tag team match for the women's tag team titles, the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Uh, yeah, I thought Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair was the feud of the decade. Uh, here they are teaming. Um, yeah, I mean, they've it's you the know, hated heels, the Kabuki Warriors. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, <laughs> if I had Kari Sane, I would definitely make her a heel. That's what I would do with Absolutely. a super charismatic baby face. That's, you know, but the Kabuki, the Kabuki Warriors thing. I mean, it's I you know, it's 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 kind of works, but people don't really want to boo them. That's the problem. Um, the other team is just like frenemies and I hate that shit. So, I don't know. It just could be good, though. I mean, just as a match in a vacuum, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, TLC stipulations would be pretty cool to see what these people can do, uh, what they can work it out. Uh, Charlotte will do something insane, I'm sure, and 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 Becky takes a lot of big risks too. So yeah, it's it, it's interesting that this is the, the the TLC match, one of the two TLC matches. But uh, yeah, be pretty interesting here. Uh, Alistair Black versus Buddy Murphy is announced. I feel like that's going to find its way on the pre-show or something. But uh, Alistair Black wanted someone to knock on his door. Buddy knocked on his door, and now. Five months later, they're going to have their their match. So, did you see about a month ago somebody knocked on his door, but he wasn't there? <laughs> yes, I forget who it was, but uh, <laughs> it might have been Buddy Murphy. Actually, I think it was so, Buddy the first time. Yeah, knocked on his door, nobody answered. And he was someone. He so, yeah, they finally knocked on his door, and like no one answered. Poor Alistair Black. He's like, I just want someone to knock on my door, and then the one time he walks away is when Buddy Murphy knocks on his door. It's just like yeah, he goes to take a piss or get a grab a piece of chicken breast from catering, and. 
you know, this guy knocks on the door, and the guy who knocked on the door just kind of shrugged his shoulders and walked away. <laughs> All right, well, I tried. So. And I'm like, what the fuck? They've been doing this for months, and uh, it's uh, oh god. Bray Wyatt versus the Miz. Uh, the Miz is upset because Bray's gonna do something to his family or something. Yeah. I- <laughs> Oh, God. The New just, Day defending the SmackDown Tag Team titles against the Revival. I can't take the Miz seriously as a tough guy. I just can't. Like this, this character is like unbeatable, and he takes all these curb stomps. And like, what the fuck? I'm supposed to think the Miz can take this guy out? I, I that's my problem with that more than anything else. Is like I never in my life will be convinced that the Miz can fight or is tough. No one will ever convince me of that. And that's why, like, a match against this unbeatable thing that they call a thing <laughs> and isn't supposed to be human is not going to work for me. You know, because I, I I don't know. I Anyway, and then the Revival, I mean, they had that great match against Undisputed Era a couple weeks ago on, on uh, NXT. So that could be a, a nice little right, tag so, team. So I have a, a quick question for you. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm dumb. Is this Bray Wyatt or is this The Fiend? It's the see. It's Bray Wyatt. That's a good point. That, so, so that's not different. Wrestling. Yeah, because I'm, I'm reading the I'm reading yeah. the WWE.com preview, Joe, and I want to I want to take a few seconds to to read this. Yeah. So are, you, are you ready for this? All right, this is from uh, Michael uh, Burdick, uh, who is the uh, writer for yeah. WWE.com. All right, <clears throat> I'm sure he has a lot of independent thought when he writes. <laughs> the A-lister is coming out to play at WWE TLC when Universal Champion Bray Wyatt engages the Miz. The issue between Wyatt and Miz was born out of the ongoing conflict between the Fiend Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. In the wake of his defeat to the horrifying title holder at Survivor Series, Bryan re-embraced the Yes Movement during an episode of SmackDown, only to be dragged under the ring by the fiend, Bray Wyatt. After Bryan disappeared, Wyatt re-emerged and began to toss clumps of what appeared to be Bryan's hair into the air. Miz responded to the calamity by stepping up and demanding to know what happened to his longtime adversary. Wyatt soon took notice of the outspoken superstar's demands, but Miz wasn't interested in a match against the host of the Firefly Funhouse until Bray pulled his strings by mentioning the A-lister's family. Has Miz acted too rashly for falling uh, for Wyatt's masterful mind games? Will he pay the price for not running when he had the opportunity? Find out at WTLC, streaming live Sunday, December yeah, 15th. I think it's Bray Wyatt, and I think it's non-title, right? Yes, it is non-title. So. And it's Bray. So the Fiend is the champion, right? Correct. And Bray is just a dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. I, I don't know. I think that like it, <sighs> they recognize it's the same person, but <sighs> listen, I've written off the fiend. I refuse to recognize the fiend. I, I it's Lucha Underground level. Here's the thing. I hand waved Lucha Underground, right? I hand waved Chikara when it got stupid. With like time travel and stuff, right? Why would I not hand wave the fiend? It's just as stupid. I, I there's too much wrestling to where I, I I just do not want to waste the energy caring about anything they do with the fiend. So I just don't care. Uh the new day defending the SmackDown tag team titles against the revival. Yeah, yeah, I said that. that could be <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who, I, you know, cares? It's, who fucking cares? The revival wins. <laughs> the new day wins. Who fucking cares? Yeah, Jesus yeah, it's hard. Christ. It's impossible to care. God. Well, no this, one can care. <laughs> this you're gonna care about: tables, All ladders, right. and chairs. Joe Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. We cannot escape. I one day I want to love something as much as this company loves King Corbin. 
Well, I mean, when you headline with a guy two nights in a row and he draws the two worst paid houses in the company in the last 10 years, why would you not continue to feature him heavily on the program? You have a segment on your TV where you say, this guy's the reason no one's fucking watching this show anymore. Right. And then he's just on the show more than ever after that. Vince likes that he gets booed. and And he likes that he thinks he's good looking. So, you know, he thinks that's what women desire. And he, th- and, the, and he hears him get booed in the building, so it's not going to stop. You know, it, it's, I don't know. I guess we've forgotten that there's different kinds of heat, and his isn't real. I, I, I don't know. We Deci- want to say uh, decision I to make this Decision to make this a TLC match between Roman and King Corbin. Does, does, well, does King mean, Corbin I, scream guy who's going to succeed in, in, in a ladder-based match? I mean, it should have been a dog collar match, right? It really should have, yeah. Given he all the, the dog, dog food that we've had, fucking wow. dog. Yeah. I'm done. A couple calls in the window. I don't fucking care. TLC, go, uh, go watch it this Sunday. Okay. Award winning WWE Network. All right, let's talk about stuff that actually is mildly interesting. interesting. Uh, NWA into the fire uh, is this Saturday. We talked about it a little bit uh, a few weeks ago. We uh, have our official. Final card here. Uh, it's available on Fight TV a- as well, so uh, be a good opportunity to watch that. Uh, Rock and Roll Express versus the Wild Cards. It's Lattimore and Royce Isaacs. That's for the NWA World Tag Team titles. Cole okay, Cabana. So oh, wild, sorry. Go so, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So Wild Cards should win, right? I mean, you did the little deal. With yeah, the yeah, yeah. There's no reason for we, the Rock and Roll to win win the titles. Do we get back to reality? Titles. Yeah, right. And get the titles off the 60 year old men now. So yeah, Wild Cards should win. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Cole Cabana, uh, Aaron Stevens, and Ricky Starks for the NWA National Championship. I, I'm going Starks here. and We're maybe a little biased because we've been on the Ricky Starks train for a while. But of all the guys on the NWA TV, I think he's the guy that you look at as not necessarily maybe your future, your top, top star, but a guy that you can definitely bring through forward to more episodes and new seasons or whatever. And I think the, the, the opportunity for him that, to win that national title is, 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 a, is a great one. So I really hope uh, they go with him here. Just anybody but Stevens, to be honest. But listen. They made one star within the context of their world, and it was Ricky Starks, right? I mean, positive reviews across the board. He was a guy that most of the people watching the show didn't even know who he was, and he got over with everyone. Um, So, yeah, he should probably win. I wish this was just Starks versus Cabana. I understand he's been feuding with Aaron Stevens on the show, and that's how they wormed him into the match. Uh, I get it. Um. But yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Stark should win. He's kind of been at the national title level from the, you know, even at the 70th anniversary, he was in the tournament for the national title. So they've got him kind of at that level for now. And who knows how long they can keep him um, because they've made a name of Ricky Starks and you know what happens to names in this current environment, right? You don't last long on the scene. So who knows how long they can keep him now that they've made him a name. Uh, but he's someone, look, I, I think I would plan long-term to, to continue making him. You can make your own star here if you can keep him around. Instead of your bevy of former TNA guys, you got a half a dozen of them, which those guys are fine. They give you a little name value, but you got a chance to make a young guy here. So this could be step one. Uh, elsewhere on the card here, we have uh, Question Mark versus Trevor Murdoch. I'm glad Trevor Murdoch got a spot on the card. He did good work on the TV show. He felt like an NWA guy. You, you know what I yeah. mean? Like it, It's hard to describe what that is if you haven't gone back and watched old NWA, but he's just like a big, yeah. ugly, fat dude that looks tough. And that used to be a lot of pro wrestlers. Used to be big, fat guys that look tough. 
So I'm kind of down with it. I like it, and he's kind of a nice little throwback, and I think he works for sure in, in, in the context of uh, of the NWA. So I'm right with you, too. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that, even if it's not like a, a match that like maybe I'm looking forward to on it, pure in-ring level. But still, it has some some nice stuff. And that's that's kind of true of this entire show. Like, do I think this is going to be a great in-ring show? Is it going to be filled with four-star matches? I don't. But is it going to be a nice and easy two-hour show with with smart booking and, 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 and you know, believable things and, and, and results that make sense. Like I absolutely believe that. that that's why I'm excited about this. And that's why I, I, I like the NWA. It's, it's fun to kind of sometimes shut your brain off a little bit. And I'm not necessarily worried about, Oh, is this match great? Or oh, da, 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 da. it's just like, Hey, this is fun wrestling. And, and it's good. It's good. Popcorn wrestling is the best way to kind of put it. That's what power is for me every single week. It's like I turn it on and I, I kind of just let it, I watch it while I'm eating dinner. I watch it while I'm, I'm just hanging out doing nothing. And it's good to just kind of shut your brain off for a little bit. And that, and that's, that's what they've succeeded in doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the pay-per-view will have longer matches and better matches than the TV show, but that's exactly what the TV show is. Trevor Murdoch, I mean, he's a tough guy. He could ride a motor scooter through Little Italy with a pizza strapped to his back <laughs> and and not have to worry about it, you know? So you got uh, scared there, didn't you? You got scared, I was like, show, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but then you went with the, nobody cares about the Italians, so that's perfect. Yeah, just throw them under the bus. Nobody, they don't care. And they, they would, most would agree that they'd probably. Like a good pizza. Everybody likes pizza. So. I, I am Italian, Rich. Yeah, and you have no offense. Yeah, you don't care. Or do you? I, I should have asked Joe, but do you care before I... You got. You really got scared when I started with that motor scooter. You were <laughs> I like, like what? I gotta edit this. Thank God this isn't live. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Joe? Yeah, ah, too, too blue, too blue. Uh, Alright, uh, Eli Drake. Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson. Yeah, I mean, you know, here you go. <laughs> That's of all More the matches. TNA guys. Yeah, There's of all the matches, that is that is certainly the yeah. most recent we've talked about. Now, so. now listen, Drake, Drake, I like. I, I think Drake brings something perfect to the table for this promotion. Ken Anderson? <laughs> I, I could I take could, him. I know? could be fine never seeing Ken Anderson in a wrestling ring ever again. So uh, I was kind of yeah. done with him by, I don't know, 2008. So I think uh, I think I'm I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Old Ken, old Mr. Anderson, so. Um, uh, Alison Kay and Ashley Vox versus Melina, Thunder Rosa, or Marty Bell. Fingers crossed it's Thunder Rosa and not Marty Bell. So that's yeah, um, yeah, I agree. Marty, is yeah, she stinks. A very Just nice saying. woman. <laughs> I'm sure she's uh, sure she's a lot of fun to hang out with, but uh, yeah, no, that's she uh, stinks. And she's Thunder not Rosa good at wrestling, good. she's pretty terrible. Yeah. Thunder Rosa is awesome, so yeah, Thunder Rosa and Melina versus Allison K and Ashley Vox is good. Uh, Melina and Marty Bell versus Allison K and Ashley Vox is not very good, so yeah, we well, still got Allison K either way, but that's true, that's true. But you know, can we kill the drums when Thunder Rosa is wrestling too? That's pretty. <laughs> It's pretty corny. I, I got to say that the drums, I, I'm not a fan of, which is weird. Cause she's got like a shit ton of charisma on her own too. Like they, they don't need that. Like she creates her own in-ring charisma. So they, they should, they'd be wise to maybe let that go and just let her kind of do her own thing. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, and then a best two out of three falls match for the NWA world heavyweight championship. It's Nick Aldis defending the title against James storm. Brian Hebner will be the referee for the first fall while Tim storm will be the referee for the second fall. But Joe, what about the third fall? If, if it goes to a third fall. Jim Cornette will be the referee for the third <laughs> fall. That would be a um, thing. That would certainly be a thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I, one thing I think the show failed to do was properly build up a number one contender for Nick Aldis. I think that the James Storm thing, he lost the national title, and then all of a sudden he was, for some reason, getting a title shot. They explained it on the go-home show. basically. 
Nick Aldis said that Tim that uh, James Storm likes to run his mouth and he wants to shut his mouth, so he requested that that be his opponent. At least they explained it. I don't love the explanation, but at least they explained it and they allowed both guys to cut promos. But I do think over the nine to eight or nine weeks of the show, they failed to do a very good job establishing a number one contender for Aldis. They established Aldis as a credible world champion. He cuts a great promo. He looks the part. I think they got him over. But during that whole run of the show, they didn't build anyone up to be his contender. And now they're, I guess the idea was let's put our next biggest name in there with him and just put our two biggest names on top. But they didn't tell the proper story to get to get James Storm. I don't so much have a problem with James Storm as I have a problem with what they did to get there, which seemed like it was just thrown together and very sloppy. Yeah, I'm with you. It just felt like, and then they, they kind of had to you know, figure it out with pre-tapes and all that sort of stuff. And it was like, man, you had all that weeks of TV and, and that should have been, especially when you're taping ahead of time, like that should have been number one or, or, or one of the main priorities is, okay, who's facing, you know, Nick Aldis and, and, and how are we getting there? And it, yeah, it felt like they had to kind of attach everything later on with these pre-tapes and whatnot. And, and I know there was the one issue with maybe the Cornette episode, they had to get a little weird out or they had to cut some stuff or whatever, but like, it's just, it, 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 it felt real clunky given that everything else felt like it was really played out and really, really like well-structured. And then it just kind of like, they kind of haphazardly had to put together this title match. So that, that kind of stinks a little bit. I'm still excited for it. And I think they've done a good job of building up James Storm overall, like the character, like the, the idea of James Storm in NWA is good, but the fact that he's going for the title maybe doesn't have the same vibe to it, but I'm still kind of into this match a little bit because independently, like you said, they've done a good job of building up Nick Aldis. They've done a good job of building up Nick, you know, uh, James Storm on his own. It just doesn't feel like you're ready for this match to happen between the two. No. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like a proper, hot world title match where a guy worked his way up the ranks and is the clear number one contender. It just doesn't feel like a hot match. I almost feel like I would have been happier with Eli Drake in that spot, uh, maybe built up and, and maybe have James storm be the one to be attacked by Kennedy and put him in that or Anderson, whatever the fuck his name is and, and put him in that spot. Maybe if they swap, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like they properly built up in the one contender. That's all. So um, that, that I don't think they've, they did a very good job with. Now, as far as the show itself, I mean, at last check, at the last word from Lagana, they had three times the amount of pre-sales for this pay-per-view than they did for the 70th anniversary show. That speaks to the power of the YouTube show, right? I mean, there's no other explanation. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because they did not, you know, they, they had the YouTube, you know, channel at the time. They had the NWA channel, but yeah. This 10 is, pounds of gold. Yeah, exactly. But this is now an, a, a weekly show, and yeah, if this is doing as well as, as, as to be believed, you know, business-wise, then yeah, absolutely. It's a, it, 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 it's a you know, a, a huge credit to the TV show. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's, I mean, that has to be the reason that this show is going to do significantly better than the 78th anniversary did from a pay-per-view perspective. Now, that show drew like 2,000 fans, and that had Cody on top. Uh, so this one's going to be in that studio, so it's only going to draw, I don't know, what's that hold? Does that hold 200 fans? Or uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I have no idea what that studio holds. Yeah, I guess. Let's call it 300. I yeah, I, I think it'd be, it'd be like, wild to think any more than that, really. I mean, that's even yeah. pushing it. Yeah, so I mean, and then they'll draw, they already sold out the pay-per-view, and they sold out the tapings as well. So for all of just the big fucking mess that they had, from like week six onward with the controversies and everything else, it's like business is good, right? So they're going to have a season two, which they're going to tape a couple days after the pay-per-view. 
And then we see where they go from there. And remember, you're going to get a little bit of a reset button because, you know, it, it's they want to treat this like a territory. It's not going to be the same crew. You're going to have the contract guys, the big contract guy, your Nick Aldises, your James Storms, your people like that, uh, 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 Eli Drake. And then you have your temporary contract guys like uh, Starks had the season one contract or whatever. I don't know if he's season two. I have no idea. Um, and then you have, you know, your next level, which are just your 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 pay by the date people on the show as well. They're going to change out a lot of those underneath people each season, so that it feels like an old school territory where there's new faces cycling in and out. So, I'm very curious to see who's at the tapings after the pay per view. That's almost as intriguing to me as the pay per view itself. Mm-hmm. And and they've been good shows. Like if you if you didn't watch the the 70th anniversary show or the Crockett Cup or whatever, and you're reading this card and you're going, ah, I don't know. Like they've been good shows. They're produced well. They're they're they're, they're tightly. You know, like I said, it's it's maybe not going to be an in ring show that you're going to say, oh my god, like what an incredible in ring show. Oh, it really reached these high highs or whatever. But it's it's going to be a, a if those other shows are really believed and and from what I can tell from this card or whatever, it's going to be just decent smart pro wrestling for two, uh, two and a half hours or whatever. And that you can't ask for much more than that sometimes. So they had some production gaffes on the first two pay-per-views, but um, yeah, I mean that, you know, they, they felt they, they were good. They were, they were, they weren't, they were good. They were decent shows. Those pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. They, I remember they were, they were well-reviewed uh, pretty much across the board. I mean, nobody really panned them for being horrible shows other than some of the production, minor production issues they had, especially on the 70th anniversary show. That one had, uh, some some rough production at least in you know until they got it ironed out um but yeah yeah this is a show that uh i will make time to watch i followed the promotion uh you know through the entire season and uh, i'm curious what they do here with it look i the pay-per-view lineup doesn't blow me away i mean it is a little bit disappointing from a couple different aspects there's a couple little things i would have done different but uh you know, yeah, like you said, the other two pay per views. I think they had two, right? The Croc Cup. Then had that pop up show. I don't even know. Yeah, if that the was New on. Year's Clash or whatever. But I forget what. Yeah. I, I forget if that aired or whatnot. I, I I didn't watch that one, so I can't I can't speak to that one. Yeah. So. so, all right, we'll see. All right, so so we have two little topics we want to talk about first. I, I'm going to go with we're, we're running pretty low on time here, but I did want to touch on Warrior Wrestling because Warrior Wrestling Seven yeah. is happening in Chicago this Friday. Uh, also streaming on Fight TV as well, which I think is a huge, huge news uh, for this because the Warrior Wrestling shows prior have 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 not appeared on Fight. They haven't been able to watch live, but now you can watch this show live. And my God, is this card stacked? This is just an unbelievable show uh, going on this Friday uh, from Warrior Wrestling, uh, the Chicago suburbs. Uh, if you're if you're in the Chicago area, Chicago Heights is, is where that show is going to take place at uh, Marion Catholic High School. But um, yeah, I mean this this I'm going to read over the card, and it's just like fucking unbelievable. So uh, you have Kurt Angle, who, will, who is just going to address the crowd. He is not wrestling, but Kurt Angle will be there. Uh, you have the Rascals uh, versus Chaos. And you're thinking chaos, huh? That's uh, amazing. Red, Rocky Romero, and fucking Will Osprey. <laughs> like, yeah, fuck, yeah. <laughs> what? Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also have Ace Austin defending the Impact X Division title against Blake Christian uh, Templaro, I believe. I, I can't read this because unfortunately they didn't put their card on their website. They instead just have a bunch of uh, 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 tweets that I have to look at. And Carl's Romo, but I believe I have that right. Templaro, Carl's Romo. Blake yeah. Christian and Ace Austin for the Impact X Division title. Uh, you have Aerostar versus Ray Horos versus Black Toros versus Gringo Loco versus Drago. Yeah, five way. These are three matches I've announced so far, by the way. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, Holly Dead versus Savannah Stone. You have a Robert Anthony versus Jake Atlas. 
Uh, the aforementioned Lance Archer. Lance Archer coming to Chicago to work this show against Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, you have Minoru fucking Suzuki versus Tom Lawler. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodsport coming to Chicago. Fuck, Jesus Christ. Uh, Michael Elgin versus Sam Adonis. Uh, Riley McGuire versus Danhausen. And Brian Cage versus Al Fantasmo for the Warrior Wrestling Championship. Rich, is this the best indie lineup of the year? It might be, man. This is stacked. Minoru's is like Minoru, Lance Archer, Elgin, Will Ospreay, <laughs> Black Toros. I mean, you've got people here who do not take indie bookings on a regular basis. It just goes to show it's like you, you can do a super indie show if you're willing to put out the money. Right. And Warrior Wrestling draws. And it all goes to their little charity. But they draw. You've been to the shows. They do big crowds. This idea that super indies are yesterday's news, right? And you can't make money doing super indies anymore. You can't draw fans. Fans don't want super indies. Is the biggest load of shit, okay? PWG, even in its current state, fills up that Globe Theater every time. Yeah, They might not sell out in 20 seconds like they used to, but they fill up that Globe Theater every fucking time. Have you seen the ticket prices they still charge? They still charge 80 bucks for a ticket to get in. Yes. There. And, 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 they, and they're going to sell it. And that, that ticket's going to get sold. And they're not going to sell it out in five minutes, like 2016, but they still sell it out. Warrior Wrestling does some of the biggest indie crowds in, a, in America doing super indie shows. Wrestle Circus, because they were poorly ran, and they were overpaying everybody, went out of business, but they did the biggest crowds in Texas and some of the biggest indie crowds in America doing super indie shows. Rich, the issue with super indie isn't that fans don't want it. The issue with super indie is there isn't enough stars to do them. That's the issue with super indie shows. Super indie shows are still the biggest draws in indie wrestling. I hate to break it to everybody, but that is a fact because I just laid it out for you. The problem is there's not enough charismatic stars to book super indie shows unless you're willing to pay Will Ospreay enough money to roll out of bed and do something other than New Japan, which is very hard to do these days. I can only wonder what the fuck they're paying him. God, yeah, this, do- this one might be a loss. I don't know about this and, one. And, and, they probably, and he probably told them, I'm not doing a singles match because there's no other reason to put him in a six-man, Okay. But you look at the talent on that show, and that show's going to draw the rich. All those shows draw. They're right in your backyard. You yeah. know it. Okay? So I, I am so sick of hearing that indie, that super indies are passe. It still draws the best if you're able to put them together. It's just harder than ever to put them together because the stars aren't there. And you have to go international and get stars from Japan and pay big money to fly in Minoru Suzuki and fly and get all of these uh, Lucha stars from Mexico to come because there aren't enough American stars to do in a super indie show. Don't you think Warrior Wrestling would save on all of those fucking flights if they could, if they can book a bunch of guys from the U.S.? Of course they would. They can't do it, but they're willing to put out the money to book a, a tremendous show like this, and, they'll, and they're going to draw. They're going to draw. What is the bill? You've been to their shows over a thousand, right? They do four figures for these yeah, shows. Some, yeah, sometimes. I mean, it, it, it they basically can fill. Uh, it's an entire high school gymnasium, and it's a huge high school gymnasium too. So they put a bunch of uh, of seating on the bleachers, like the big giant high riser bleachers that you would have for any you know high school sporting event. But then also a shit ton on the floor as well, and and they go like you know fifteen to twenty deep on rows on the floor as well. And and the time that I went. Uh, those were completely filled, and, and they've been filled, you know, moving forward uh, the last few shows as well. So yeah, 
It's going to do well. It's and, going to do great in attendance. So. And, and let me tell you, they'd probably lose money. They'd lose money again because they're dopes. But let me tell you, if Wrestle Circus ran a month from now, they'd fill the building too. Okay? The super indie model still works. There just isn't the talent to do it. That's the bottom line here. Okay? And, and meanwhile, super trendy fucking Twitter indie, okay, that gets all the buzz, draws 150 fans to see redacted on top insert whatever fucking lame-ass fucking main eventer on the scene there is right now. Uh, on top. I mean, that's just a fact. I mean, just look at the facts. You know, we just don't have enough stars to do these super indie shows. That's the issue. It's not that they don't work. The show's fucking loaded. You know, and, you know, I, I, somehow this guy, we all thought this guy would be out of business two shows in. I know. I interviewed him, uh, th- that initial show, Steve uh, Tortorelli is his name. And, and yeah. before he even ran that first show, I, I we got an interview with him because I was like, this is, this is, because the, the Canuck Pro was the thing they were all laughing about at the time. Canuck yes. Pro was this fake show that just got built up and, and they booked a bunch of dudes and said they were paying all these guys or whatever. And it was all just a ruse. It was all just fake. And that's kind of what we thought Warrior Wrestling was at first. So I like interviewed this dude and he was like, yeah, no, dude, I'm, I'm, I love wrestling and I'm going to book this because I really care. And like, I'm trying to raise money for the school. And like, you know, I get, you know, people donate beer and I get, you know, the, the lighting grid, you know, donated to me and the ring, you know, people offer and, and I get it for good deals. And I'm the principal of my school, so I don't have to book the venue. So it's free to book the entire venue and when you look at it that way and then you look at this card you're like yeah you can do this it's just you know you got to be a little creative about it and got to think outside the box a little bit and that's absolutely what he did is he's got a buddy that owns a bunch of lighting gear so he borrows the lighting gear he's he's got a connection on the ring and, and he doesn't have to pay for the venue so it's like all right well yeah. that helps a lot then <laughs> that's that's a lot right. of the cost right out of the way there and now you can spend on wrestlers so listen he's got a ton of advantages there's no question but my point here is just raw number of fans at the shows and when you look, and it's the super indie shows that draw the most fans, whether the shows are making money or not, because Wrestle Circus obviously lost a ton of money because they were poor business people. This guy's a better businessman because he's getting, you know, like you said, the free venue and the lighting, and he cuts corners and he's doing it for charity, so people help him out. So he's making profits on these shows. But that I'm not really so much interested in. What I'm interested in is how many fans are paying tickets for the shows, and. I don't want to hear that the super indie model doesn't work because it's it's a, it's it's absolutely it's total bullshit. Uh, you know, WrestleCon Super Show is you know outside of maybe Janela Spring Break, it's close. You know, but 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 that's the that show draws more fans than any show every WrestleMania weekend. The WrestleCon Super Show, right. which is a which is a fucking super indie show. Okay, neck and neck with Janela. Maybe Janela does a few more, right? But you get the idea. Okay, and. And uh, and the Janela show is really a super indie show, just fucking on meth, you know. That that's you know, it's a super indie show, fucking that that happens to be drunk. So it's it's the same model. It's a bunch of fucking big names coming together for a show. So so I don't know. That's the rant I wanted to go on when it no, came. No, no, and you're you're right. And there and there's I, I see it all the time with AEW as well in Chicago, where it's like this this company that just you know rolls out of bed and gets 300, 350 people at every one of their shows or whatever. And it's like you know they they don't get a buzz in kind of the Twitter sphere, but it's like they're they're doing great business still as always. And and they just announced that they're going to show up on fight. Uh, now the, the Windy City Classic coming up in December is going to be their first show on fight, so they're now going to be have live, which is really cool as well. So I, hopefully that'll that'll increase the buzz a little bit. But yeah, it's it's people attribute buzz to business and all that sort of stuff, and it's a bubble thing, and that's that's a larger yeah. discussion for a, uh, another day for yeah. sure. But uh, yeah, that is Warrior Wrestling Seven, and then we'll finish last, but uh, well, certainly least, I guess, is Ring of Honor Final Battle, Joe. 
10 matches. Yep. I'm going to go over all the matches real quick, and then we can kind of touch on any ones that really stick out to us. We got Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry versus Silas Young and Josh Woods. Rhett Titus versus Kenny King. Oh, man. <laughs> all that express explodes. <laughs> I didn't know that. Hold on. I'm excited now. Are you headed to fight to order I, show? Might. I can't believe that it took, you know, nine years, but all that express explodes. I love it. Uh, Angelina Love versus Maria Maniac. Uh, that should be, uh, or Maria Manic. That should be, uh, well, she has a Maniac. <laughs> Did you hear she broke up with Teddy Hart? No, I saw a video that they're back together now. Oh, okay. It was, it's a rise and a fall, Joe. You got to stick with it every minute of the Listen, day. News moves fast in the world of Teddy Hart and Maria Maddock. <laughs> yeah. Cocaine yeah. is a hell of a drug. Things are going to go real quick, up and down real fast. But uh, it looks like they're good. Yeah, there was a, uh, a new video that says we're back together. Smiley face. So, Well, listen, those crazy kids are clearly in love, and I'm glad they worked it out. <laughs> right. I, you know, I cannot wait for the new videos in Teddy's basement or while they're driving. So that's, um, yeah, you need to do Patreon content where you cover those. I really do. I'm going to sit down and watch them all and take notes. And cause I don't know yeah. if I could sift through all of that. Like, I don't think I could handle it, but, but you are the man for that job for sure. So, uh, yeah. uh, Jeff Cobb versus Dan math. Why do they have Jeff Cobb? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Jeff Cobb, man. What do you mean? <laughs> Fourth from the top bottom. We can yeah. Dan Math, whatever. They signed uh, Dan Moff. They signed Dan Moff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sweet. Uh Villain Enterprise is Marty Scroll and Flip Gordon versus Bandito and Flamita, potentially the final uh for uh Marty Scroll there. So we'll they see. signed they signed Flamita too. They did. Yeah, I saw that. That was that was interesting. They're still so. throwing money around. They are. So. It's just yeah, not I don't know how many people want it anymore, but a few people do, so good for them. It's an easy schedule, man. Three dates a month. It's not bad. Uh, world TV title, Shane Taylor defending his title against, they claim Dragon Lee, so he's not Ryu Lee uh, in, in Ring of Honor. He's still Dragon Lee in Ring of Honor. So Yeah, it's a New Japan thing. Yeah. Uh, Matt Taven versus Vincent, which is Balloon Guy's new name. Not to... Yeah, did you see the big angle on ROH TV last week? Of course you did. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. I just We don't have time to talk about it. I'd love to talk about it, but no, I mean, we're running out of time. So I mean, I saw it, you know, but... I try to set it for my DVR and it never records, so I just I don't I don't watch. Taven had a secret attacker throughout the weeks, and um, you know, balloon guy was there by his side, of course. And um, finally, he called out the secret attacker, and the lights went out. And but it then balloon guy beat him with beat him up. He beat him up with an axe, Rich. (laughs) But but unlike Triple H with the sledgehammer, where he doesn't really hit you with the sledgehammer, he really hit him with the axe and busted him open hard way. Okay, that's cool. All right. They did. They didn't. Well, they didn't bust him open the hard way, but they did. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's a little brutal, but yeah. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't insert an axe into his skull and kill him. What <laughs> right. he did was he attacked him with the axe, and they did do a. He bladed, I guess. Got but it. Got it. Got it. The idea was he cut him with the axe. Is what I'm getting at. So balloon guy is now Vincent, and he is a, a creepy. He is uh, the fiend without the lights and the uh, the uh, creepy mask. Basically. That's fine. That's good though. That's that's a good character then. So, but he's human. I'm into that. That's good. But the balloons still rise. The balloons rose before he attacked. Well, that's still that, that's a little bit of scariness. I, I like that. I you know, uh, Mark Haskins versus Bully Ray in a street fight. Yes, <laughs> couldn't pay me to watch that. Uh, Ring of Honor World Tag Team Titles: The Briscoes defending the titles against Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that is indeed a match. Uh, and then the main event here, ROH World Championship, Roosh defending the title against PCO. PCO wears a suit jacket and is basically just doing a Frankenstein 100% gimmick. Like, it's not even... Remember, he used to kind of act like Frankenstein? Yeah, now he's just literally Frankenstein, right? He's literally Frankenstein. He wears the suit jacket, and he's like... And he, like, walks around. Yeah, it's just... He's totally changed. He's not the cool 
kind of like cool, like uh, thing you know, a couple of years ago at WrestleMania weekend where he wrestled Walter, and he was just kind of this dude who took cool bumps and was indestructible. Now he's literally Frankenstein. Okay, like so I, I just want to I want to do a little. I know we're a little over time, but I, I feel like this is a, a a thing that we need to do here. Yeah. I'm going to read a selection of matches, Joe, that uh, yeah. may or may not be final battle all time main events. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Bri- so, so these are all. What's every- the game? What do I have to? do? There's no game. I'm just going to read the the oh. other final battle main events and tell you oh. <laughs> just to give you an idea of what all we're right. dealing with here with Roosh versus PCO here. Uh, Brian Danielson, low key Samoa Joe versus Steve Carino in a four way match for the number one contenders trophy. That's the first final battle. Uh, yeah. Final battle 2003. Dan Maff, the aforementioned Dan Maff with the prophecy and Christopher Daniels versus the great Muda and Arashi. So uh, yeah, that was you know <laughs> hey uh, Samoa Joe versus Austin Aries for the ROH World Title. Kenta versus Loki for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title. Brian Danielson versus Homicide for the ROH World Championship. Uh, the Briscoe Brothers versus Age of the Fall uh, for the ROH World Tag Team titles. Brian Danielson versus Takeshi Morishima in a fight without honor. Austin Aries versus Tyler Black for the ROH World title. El Generico versus Kevin Steen in an unsanctioned fight without honor. Uh, Davey Richards versus Eddie Edwards. Kevin Steen versus El Generico in Ladder War. Adam Cole versus Michael Ogden versus Jay Briscoe in a three-way match for the world title. Jay Briscoe versus Adam Cole in a fight without honor. Jay Lethal versus AJ Styles. Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. Cody versus Dalton Castle. Uh, then we have SoCal Uncensored versus the Briscoe versus the Young Bucks in a ladder war. And now we have Roosh versus PCO, the Frankenstein. I mean, it's one of the best matches they can make right now. Um, it, It's... I mean, in a vacuum, the card isn't even that bad. It's, it's just, not. It's, it's not. It just doesn't feel. It's the buzz surrounding the company. Right, right, right. Have you? When honestly, when's the last time you watched the TV? It's been well because they, they they it's kind of like a clip show now, right? They clip. This the is matches. what I was. This is what I was getting. Because I try to watch what I what what week did I try to watch? Maybe be about a month or so ago, and they clipped the matches, and I was like, I I hate it. <laughs> I, the I can't TV do it. Is so bad. It's just highlights and clips and vignettes and promos and then maybe they give you one match and like you said a lot of the times it's like clipped the match they give you is clipped it's so bad it's just not what televised wrestling needs to be and i can't imagine that uh, that their viewership across the sinclair stations hasn't dropped significantly because of it i don't even do they even do tv tapings i don't think they do i think they just film Random matches. Well, they are. It, it does say that the next night that they're doing a TV taping, Final Battle it's, Fallout. But I don't what's know. What's so fucking weird about that is they don't have a regular TV show. They they give you like one match a week, sometimes two, and they're and some of them are clips, and it's just all highlight packages and stuff. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I, I tried to watch it. Yeah, about a month or so ago, and I was like, yes, yeah, is weird. I don't like this at all. So, um, yeah. the good news is Crowbar is going to be there. So. Uh, hey. TV taping, so <laughs> brought New in, Jersey, New Jersey indie legend. They brought in Definitely. Crowbar and Hallowicked is going to be on the show as well. So, yeah. Um, well, where is that taping? It's got to be in like Philly. That or something. is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, yeah, well, if you're using those guys, I mean, Crowbar <laughs> has like a real job and a life. He's not going to fly to fucking Sheboygan to fucking do ROH TV. So, I figured that had to be, you know, somewhere near. You know, South Jersey, same thing. Hollow Wicked, same deal, right? Isn't right, he right, like right? Yeah, I think he's Philly born and bred, and and has been there forever. Will not so. will not wrestle full time because he like has a real job or something. So, um, 
same kind of deal. With, or is that Frightmare? One or the other. One of those. Guys. <laughs> I guess it's <laughs> Yeah, no, one of them supposedly like turns down bookings because he's. I thought like, it was Hellowicked that, that usually doesn't do it, but I could be wrong. You're probably right on I, one, one of It's one or the other. One or the fun. other for sure. I, All right. So we are out of time. We are desperately, desperately out of time here. So uh, that is it here on this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flash. Of course, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon for even more Joe and Rich. VoiceWrestling.com slash Patreon. Once again, we'll tell you that. At Voices Wrestling on Twitter. VoiceWrestling.com slash Discord. Do join our Discord and chat with us about these shows and everything else going on. And that's it for Joe and Rich. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.